Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Day Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, I had a week off last week. Uh, sorry, Ben. I know you're the one who, like, does he even look forward to the episodes, or does he just like to watch them and make the notes? Uh, to, to be honest, I don't know. He may not even listen to these, right? It's I had uh, I had lunch with him on Saturday, and we were talking. We talked a little bit about it. Uh. I was inviting because we do such a bad job of reading his notes. Yeah, we do. I invited him to perhaps just submit a, you know, 30 to 90 second clip about his episode of the week if he wanted to, and mm. I could just play it and then he'd get his own words. And he thought that'd be boring because, uh, we go back and forth when we do these. That's true. We and do. he thought just, you know, 60 seconds of him talking would be dull. So he this wants is a to dull horn project. in on our show and get more of the, more of the time. As we mm. go back and read his notes, is that correct? Uh, maybe. All right. Yeah, maybe that's what he was afraid of. Well, he's vice president, up for life. So okay. <laughs> he's well, you know, if I was commissioner, I'd make Ben assistant commissioner for life. <clears throat> oh God! Oh God! <laughs> I'd make you assistant commissioner for life. Oh, thanks, partner. Uh, I don't know where Drew Remenda is these days. Canada. I assume it's Canada, but I don't uh, know. One, one, one presumes, yeah. What he's doing there. Uh, anyway, so we were off last week. I had some schedule uh, conflicts between holiday and house guests and work. Um, but we are back. We will see if we can remember the episodes well enough with the aid of the notes. Uh, the, the notes that we so carefully took. And if you hear any banging in the background, somebody is apparently moving something down the stairs here. That's fine. Okay. All right, we're off, we're off to a good start. Um, I think, as usual, we watched Enterprise first. Yeah, that's right. This week we watched Precious Cargo. Thank you! The spinners. I know, it's so cool that it was a coup that they were able to get the spinners for that very on-the-nose title song. Um, Yeah, it's one of those plot-of-the-movie songs. Did this garbage episode remind you of Spaceballs or something? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. All right, here we go. Tucker is enjoying some super-satisfying harmonica time in his quarters. Well, I hated that so much. It, I hated it so much. It was very aggravating how, uh, I don't know, was anybody accomplished at the harmonica? He was very bluesy with it. Yeah. 
Enterprise answers a distress call. I, he, honestly, if he'd been just sitting there playing a jaw harp, I would have been like, yeah, there we go. He's <laughs> yeah. from the bayou. Yeah, the harmonica's not swampy yet. He should have been playing some fucking Zydeco on a little concertina or something. Yeah. Uh, he sees the vessel out his window, and Archer calls uh, calls to ask him to help with some repair work. Uh, this is a Retellian cargo ship, and it's experiencing problems with its life support systems. Tucker meets up with Archer and T-Pole at the docking port. Two crewmen from the ship are welcomed aboard Enterprise and explain that they've been hired to return a young woman back to her homeworld, but a few days ago her stasis pod began to malfunction. Their ship's not designed for more than two people, and they still have a long journey ahead of them uh, at warp two, and if she wakes up, there won't be enough food or air. So uh, they gladly accept the assistance Archer offers, and they're grateful for Tucker to take a look. One of the aliens, uh, Firic Goff, I believe is his name. It's now been two weeks since I've seen this. Also makes a request for a bath, and Archer agrees, adding that uh, Chef will prepare a meal for him. Yeah, I guess that's the one whose name I didn't write down. You, you remembered Plin? The other one's Plin. Yeah. The other alien, Plin. Although, well, once in here I did write Prin. So mm. I didn't remember it super good. <laughs> no, not consistently. Uh, Plin guides Tucker to the pod, which appears to be creatively rigged with, uh, with some old power cells. Tucker suggests rigging some EPS conduits and goes to examine the pod, asking for Hoshi to come aboard to translate uh, some of the instrumentation. Plin yep. agrees, happy for the help. Trip makes some cartoon auga noises at the lady in her pod. Uh, right, when he looks at her. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, uh, Goff meets with Archer and thanks him for the hospitality. But when Archer offers to help them get to their destination in just a few days, he declines the offer, not even a little bit suspiciously, right? Nope. Insisting that they are on schedule and that the family is not even expecting her on her home world for uh, another five months. Yep. However, trouble occurs when the passenger awakens following another pod malfunction. The woman begins kicking and screaming in the pod, demanding to be let out, or seemingly demanding to be let out. Because she's speaking some alien language. And we also see that her hands are bound. Yes. At dinner with the captain and T-Pole, the aliens receive an alert and Goff goes to investigate, trying not to arouse suspicion. He finds Tucker trying to help her out of the pod, but as he helps her up, Goff knocks him out from behind. He calls for the other alien, who politely leaves dinner uh, to address a minor problem. When he leaves, Archer calls Tucker... But when he doesn't respond, he has Reed escort Plin back to the ship. Was it Plin at this point, or is it is that Goff? Uh, fuck me, dude. <laughs> Can I haven't seen it Pl- long enough? Plin's the one who ends up staying behind, but now I'm skipping ahead of you. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, they go to the docking port. Uh, one guy sees the other guy being escorted by security, since I can't remember which one's which anymore, and fires upon the Enterprise crew. Uh, he leaves his partner behind and unlocks, uh, undocks the ship, breaking the docking clamps as he does so. The Enterprise pursues him at warp 2 and briefly takes him out of warp. The cargo ship releases a dilithium hydroxyl cloud that disables Enterprise's warp drive temporarily. They won't be able to continue the chase until they purge their plasma vents. On the cargo Some ship... Some real James Bond shit that this guy's doing. Yeah. The outraged passenger picks up a weapon and beats Tucker with it yelling in an alien language. Tucker slowly tries to signal he's not one of the captors. He indicates he will untie her, but as he does, Goff bursts in and demands he fix the stasis pod. T- 
Tucker says it'll be a while, and Goff eventually leaves him to it. Tucker then unties her, and by getting her to speak into the universal translator that Hoshi left, eventually they can communicate. She explains to Tucker that she's a prisoner, and that she was attacked on her way back from a diplomatic mission. To Alderaan, I presume. Yeah. She is surprised that Tucker doesn't know her, because she's known on hundreds of worlds. She's Kaitama, destined to be the first monarch of the sovereign dynasty of Krios Prime. Hey! She's sure that she's been kidnapped by the Retalians for a ransom, so she suggests just waiting until the ransom is paid, and then they'll be returned safely. Tucker, however, doesn't see them keeping him alive after the repairs are done, so he suggests trying to escape the cargo vessel through the escape pod he saw earlier. She protests, stating that it's too dangerous, but Tucker tells her that he's uh, not one of her subjects, and that uh, he'll try to get out regardless of what she says. Back on Enterprise, Archer and T-Pole interrogate Plin. I think it's Plin. I hated this. I hated this so much. Plin insists he knows nothing of his partner's plans. Archer asks him for their warp frequency to more easily locate the ship, but the guy says he doesn't know much about it. Archer orders him to be kept in the airlock under guard. That's torture. <laughs> it definitely sounds like it. Trip works on getting into the ship's cargo bay. We're back on the stupid alien cargo ship. Um, trying to convince Kaitama to come along. He successfully opens the door to the crawl space and makes a final plea for her to come with him. When he promises to disable internal sensors so that the ship won't be able to detect the escape pod, she finally agrees to come with him. They find that the escape pod is only large enough for one person, but they have no choice but to squeeze in and, like, rub on each other's bodies. Yep. They launch and safely fall out of warp. Tucker is now without a plan, but he is able to find a star system nearby where they agree to uh, land the pod. Crammed inside a tiny space, they irritate each other immensely as Tucker tries to figure out the pod's controls. Back on Enterprise again. Plin is brought in for further interrogation. Archer asks about Plin's tribunal, or he talks about Plin's tribunal. He says T-Pole is assigned to be an impartial ju- judicial administrator for his case, having already reviewed the evidence. Uh, he also states several charges for which he will be judged, and examples of the kinds of harsh punishments T-Pole has passed down before. Plin objects that they don't have jurisdiction over him and that he wasn't responsible for the crimes, but Archer and T-Pole play a weird good cop, bad cop, Vulcans are scary kind of game to make the guy think that Archer isn't the boss, but he'll try to help him if he agrees to help him find the other guy in his ship. It was a real news radio scenario. You don't remember the one where Bill joins the gym? Yes, it was, (laughs) except that this one also walks right up to the line of torture because it's almost a mock execution. Oh yeah, no, they're definitely basically letting him know that he will be judged and uh, and executed by scary Vulcan justice. She wants to know his measurements like she's going to calculate a long drop hanging. <laughs> if only that she had said that much. Uh, back in the escape pod, and this episode gets gets really rough at this point. Uh, the two it has not some... been great up to now, by the way. No, the, the two find some rations in a compartment. Uh, Tucker finds what he believes to be a suitable planet to land on, and they touch down on what I imagine the Etowah River looks like. <laughs> yep. Where the water washed away the bridge? Yep, that was the worst thing that happened in that flood. It was traumatic for all involved. Uh, Kaitama and Tucker explore the area to set up camp, though they continue irritating each other. She insists on treating Tucker's wound as she is now dependent on him. However, she refuses to do the manual labor, leaving it to the one more suited, um, which I think she means more southern. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Uh, but Tucker won't have it. After some arguing, they end up fucking, because of course they end up fucking. They wake up in the night, and Tucker hears the sound of the escape pod's subspace beacon, which indicates it's being traced. Tucker destroys it, worried Goff is the one tracking them. Indeed, Goff soon... Wait, was it Goff or Free? It's Goff. Goff soon lands on the planet in pursuit of the two. Yep. They set a trap for him with uh, a Tucker made of straw, or whatever. <laughs> it Goff, was a Tucker made of straw. That Goff shoots, only for Tucker to jump out of a tree and fight him. Uh, Goff seemingly bested him, but Kaitama knocks him out with a stick from behind. It's the fucking... It's Luo Guanzhong's delight at telling that story is what sells that for me. Yeah, the Zhongfei made of straw is not the... Right. But somehow in the text, you get the impression that he is personally delighted with this <laughs> turn of events. Well, yeah, the whole thing leads up to it, too, with all of the booze that um, Kang Ming sends Zhongfei. And everyone's like, yep. oh, you know he's an alcoholic, right? And Kang Ming, I assume, just strokes his beard and goes, yes. Uh, fortunately, Archer, T-Pole, and Reed also arrive to rescue them. Back on Enterprise, Tucker accompanies Kaitama to the battlecruiser that is to take her home. She states that once she's been made First Monarch, she'll have the authority to change the rules about who she can fraternize with, and asks him to come visit her for, like, a, a, a fuck weekend. Anyway... Boy, is she gonna be disappointed when they're not... Like, when he's it comes to her palace... And it's not like a fucking sweaty swamp situation yeah. where they've been on the run for three days and shit. And, and it's she had just to turn like, her dress into a mini. Right. She's just like for, for fucking reasons. trip in her nice bed. And she's like, oh, this this is gross. This is not how I remembered this. This isn't working for me at all. This isn't anything. Feel free to like go see all the museums in the capital <laughs> here on Creos yeah. Prime. Uh, listen, it turns out I got a lot of work to do. I know we were going to do like a whole day together. It's like but, weird uh, last minute stuff It's always the way it goes, you know, when you got visitors. Uh, definitely go see the Ulrich of Volt Memorial Wing <laughs> and all of that. Uh, hey, uh, this, uh, this thing that was written by men. What's it about? Uh, it's a thin line between love and hate. Oh, that's a good song. Slash Uptown Girl. It's two songs, by the way. Oh, good. It's, I'm glad they're combining two songs. Rather than two Next Generation episodes, which is usually what they do. This is the oldest fucking story in existence. Yeah. It's so old that it is the it is the plot of Spaceballs. <laughs> I finally get it. Yes, it is when... He's uh, Lone Star, yeah. and she's Princess Vespa, who was kidnapped and has to be rescued, and she thinks he's a crude and a bore, but, but she's also, dependent on him, and also he thinks she's a, a real first-rate bitch, and then they fuck. And then, the, yeah, because of all the, the passion and right. the sparks. And also, just like in the scene where Dark Helmet is playing with his dolls... <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Oh, I love you. No, no, yes, no. Oh, your helmet is so big. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you are doing, unironically, mm. a Mel Brooks plot, you get one point. Yeah. Yes. Yes. One of them. Yeah, I, um... I thought maybe this was going to be an episode about like a another one about a, sh a shared trauma or ordeal or ordeal bringing like people together who have disparate personalities or backgrounds or whatever. 
But I, I really do think it's saying fancy ladies like to fuck grease monkeys. Uh, they, yeah, basically. And uh, That's why they have him playing the fucking harmonica at the beginning. Yeah, they're like, hey, remember? He's just a good old southern boy. I don't know if you guys remembered from the previous 50 episodes or whatever. This man is college-educated and must be one of Starfleet's better engineers, right? I assume. For him to be so on probably this actually a very bright man. And but, we um, know that he can do, um, he can act frustrated very well. But in this episode, he knows what possum tastes like. Yeah. Yeah, I had, uh, just to write it down in a statement, I had sometimes, uh, people are most attracted to that which they've never experienced. I thought that was maybe where they were going. Uh, anyway, it was two. It was a two. Oh, all right. I'm not going to fight you for that point. No. <laughs> it's probably not worth changing a two to a one. Yeah. And actually, by the way, I wrote down two. But then when I described it, I realized that was one point. Yeah. It was very bad. I was offended the entire episode. Uh, and uh, for execution, I gave it a one anyway. So. It's wild that this was an Enterprise episode and not a TOS episode. Uh, I think this is too dumb to be a TOS episode, frankly. The, these hack writers made something so cheesy and insulting. And beyond that, who gives a shit? Like this. Oh no, it's a real who gives a shit. This filler nonsense tackled no issues and did nothing interesting. It was just a gross fantasy about fucking a princess. Well, first of all, I fucking... I fucking love the decision-making that goes into this goddamn episode. By the way, uh, uh, Brandon Braga or whoever was running this show tried very hard to get it not aired. Well, they know this was. They know this is the worst show they made. How the hell did it get written and filmed? Like, what happened there? Yeah, that was a real whoopsie. Hmm. A real whoopsie. Yeah. I... Let's bring back... The sex trafficking aliens from that episode of The Next Generation. Yes, the ones that sign uh, interstellar agreements with sex slaves. With with purpose-bred sex slaves. Mm -hmm. But it's okay, we're going to walk it back. This lady is not one of those. In fact, she's a She's going to be their ruler. Yeah. Cool, a cool, 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 cool. Um, can we still make her the worst, though, right? <laughs> she's going to be real terrible, like a real brat. Like a bratty princess. And she's going to fall in love with Trip because he's just a regular guy. Mm -hmm. Like me, a Hollywood writer. There's going to be... That's right. That's exactly right. And there's going to be lots of situations where uh, events necessitate her to take off her clothes. Or maybe become soaking wet. Or just be wet. Just generally yeah. glisten. Yeah. And maybe they're going to keep touching each other's bodies and pretend like they don't like it. But they really like it. <sighs> The Enterprise writers really are the... They're the worst writers, right? Just the worst. There's just like... They're just 12-year-old boys and they don't realize it. I just yeah. generally... I just can't imagine that they understand what they are. So, execution. Yeah. If you took the story from Spaceballs, you have to be at least as good as Spaceballs. <laughs> that's right. I'm that's not saying rule. at least as funny, just at least as good. Yep, that's right. You have to, but now you have to craft a plot and, that's good. We got Trip and Padma Lakshmi, and they're not Bill Pullman and Daphne Zuniga. Nope, it turns out. I'm just hard to be Bill Pullman. Yeah, he brings a special uh, mannequin flair to that role. That's right. <laughs> um, also, uh, I think it sucks eggs that Archer does a bunch of psychological torture. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, nobody like protests. It's like fucking 24-style bullshit. 
And T'Pol, by the way, just down. Yeah. Just whatever. This is another situation where she just goes, oh, this is a terrible idea. I'm 100% in. You want me to play the judge? Yeah, I'll play the judge. I got some ideas about that. And here's how you know that this is a hack premise. They make no attempt to explain why Kaitama is her name is suddenly falling for Trip. Yeah. They don't even suggest that she could be like a metamorph, like in Perfect Mate. Like, that woman falls in love with Picard because she has a weird biological imperative and he was around. Yeah, because he's trying not to let her hang out with anyone because he lets her hang out with Data and Data's not very good at being a chaperone. Just no, walks her into she, 10 forward and lets her get fucking eye-raped by everybody. And there right happened there. to be some fucking dirty miners there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, what are they doing there? They've fucking never been on the Enterprise. <laughs> like, the only time you see these guys on on the Enterprise is in Data's weird fever dream about answering the phone. I can't wait for several years from now when we get to that episode to explain what those miners are doing there. <laughs> it just it just makes no sense. That's literally hey, no sense. Hey, sexy, you wanna fuck? And you're just like, wait, what's this? who is this guy? What's he doing? But they don't even have that thin excuse for why she's into Trip. Nice. Like, not even just, well, it was my time and you were around. Because we all know why, dude. It's because <laughs> if you don't get along with someone, it means the lady wants it. I get if a it, guy I get and a lady it. don't get along, the lady wants it. The Magnificent Bickersons. I understand. Yes, that's right. Uh, <sighs> anyway, I gave it one point for execution. Yeah, and just to round it up, Ben gave it a two on take. He... He says he thinks it's just any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from... Ma- oh, that's TOS. Sorry. That cannot be. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, he gave it a one on take. A good southerner will ride to the rescue of a lady in distress. He doesn't really... He didn't know what it was. Um, and he gave it a three on execution. Uh, what does he like about it enough to give it a I'm, three? I'm waiting to see if there's a good thing in here. A uh, girl shows a little bit of thigh, but is not hypersexualized. Oh, Okay. Well, okay, on on any other Star Trek, she would have been. Yeah. But he's got a point. We don't see the outline of her nipples or anything. (laughs) It's true, even for this show. silhouette of her goddamn nipples. (laughs) I mean, Hoshi was a lot more naked than this last week. That's true. That is true. All right. Wow, we're this... It did clear that lowest of bars. (laughs) No, he's he's not wrong about it. She's much less sexualized than other women have been on this show. And I think maybe it's because they couldn't convince Padma Lakshmi to do it. But she was very wet the entire time. She was extremely wet. Yeah. <clears throat> which represents sexuality. Yes. All right, so we're all in agreement so far that it sucks to varying degrees. Yeah. Let's, uh... All right, world building. Yeah. You can feel when a ship is at warp. Okay. Uh... There's such a thing as warp frequencies. Yep. And then they got that James Bond-style space oil slick that we'll never see again. But at least it's something that tells you something. It's true, they spun about out. something. Someone dropped a banana peel, and they just they hit it. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one point for world building. That's far short of the standard three. All right, but you what you left out was those old boys were Retellian cargo pilots. Buddy, that ain't nothing. Okay, hold on, though. I'm not, you think I'm done? Check this one out. Suspended animation is still in use by spacefaring species in the 22nd century. Yeah, but I've seen... Oh, yeah. I guess by the 22nd century. Relays from an old Ardanan shuttle. How about that? Did that tickle you? 
No, that's nothing. Uh, that yeah, the screen, the alien ship release gunked up the fence on the Enterprise. Let's see. Uh, this Biddy's Creosian. Apparently, that's a big deal in this dumb old galaxy. At this point in time, at least according to her, uh, escape. Well, she pods, thinks she's a big deal. Yeah. Escape pods are built well enough to just like fall out of warp and cross the subspace threshold without breaking up. So that's cool. Uh, and like you said, you can track a ship long range with a warp frequency. That's two. It's two points. So how about that? All right. I feel like you really shortchanged them. <laughs> All right. That's fine. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy your ridiculous score. Um, characterization. Can we? Can we do characterization? Yeah. Let's let's do characterization. Trip can play the harmonica, but that's true. He can't play nice with the princess. He's been involved in a few hostage situations. Apparently, are those things that we've seen? Or off screen. I mean, I feel like he's been held hostage about 15 times, okay. so I guess that counts. Trip has been to the Everglades. Um, yeah, yeah, he really has. Boy, they, it's not clear where he's from in this dumb show. Just Swamp swamp City? Because it's like, why couldn't he just say, this is like the bayou where I grew up? Why does he have to say, this is like the Everglades? I did, I did went there once. One time I was there. <laughs> yeah. They got the alligators or whatever. Archer decides threatening to space this dude is absolutely Starfleet-approved. Maybe he's just out there writing the Starfleet captain's rulebook. They don't seem to be. It's weird because he seems to be under the most scrutiny from Admiral... What's it? Yeah, Admiral Forrest. Forrest? Forrest. Yeah. And he's like, check, he's checking in with the admirals all the time. He also seems but, to be like the uh, only ship anywhere, so that's probably why. Yeah, that's true, too. But then... um. But boy, he does some wild shit for a guy who's going to have to call his boss about it later. Yeah, he's going to tell him about this crazy scheme that he and T-Pole totally ran with. Um, well, it's not good. I give, I give it a two. Archer's into torture and T-Pole goes along with it for some reason. Trip is basically consistent, but he's consistently kind of gross. Yeah. No one else is in it. <laughs> yeah. The, there was one good moment, which was Hoshi immediately knew that Trip was a horn dog. Yeah, but um, you know, nothing came of that. He did end up fucking that lady. He fucked her. He good. didn't reflect on it or anything. He fucked the swamp right into her. Yeah. Oh, for sure. She's got amoebas or something in her digestive system now. Probably or, got those I mean, brain-eating ones. That's a real mess in there. I gave it two points for characterization. All right. So um, sort of roughly the same, the same as you. Ben uh, was a little more... Ch- I mean, Ben was a one on world building. Yeah. He said that uh, the woman looked like a trill, and that's because the trill makeup was based on the make... Uh, the, sorry, the trill makeup for yes, Jadzia no, Dax yeah. was based on the makeup for the last time we saw this race of people. K- Kamal? Was her name Kamala? Her name was Kamala. Very similar to Kaitama. It's a little lazy. <laughs> it is very lazy. He also well, had one of the... Blarg, so, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> he also said one of these guys, pro-Cardassians, and I do believe I mentioned in my quick hitters that they look kind of like Cardassians, so... They were Cardassian-looking, and the fact that they were all black did not help. Yeah. Um, And then he gave him a three in characterization. A three in characterization. Including... He says Archer's not a good liar, but, I mean, Prin... Prin was all in. He Plin. also includes Plin. Plin. He also includes the question: uh, Trip is Southern, right? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, 
then also says you're not even in a rowboat this time. No, I wonder if he's going to get preggers again. Uh, you got some quick ones? Yeah, I mean, not that many. So I wrote, oh, God, no, not harmonica. Then here's a real serious question. Who keeps letting Padma Lakshmi act? Uh, I don't know. Did that keep happening after that? Because I know she was on like one of them cooking shows for a long time after this. But... Well, I mean, she has a little bit in 30 Rock. Maybe that, uh... that's what I'm thinking of. So I've seen her twice, so I assume that means that people keep letting her try this. Yeah, she wasn't good, even a little. So she's not good in this episode. No. Well, it didn't really come up, because there's so many other problems with it that it's not like, this is a great episode, but the guest star of the week can't act. Yeah, if only they'd cast uh, Kaitama better, this could have been a real drama. Right. Why didn't they just get Famke Jansen, or, again, to play her own grandmother? Yeah, then they could give us... Yes, then we could give us some in-universe stuff about how all Creosian sex slaves look alike. That's right. That'd be good stuff. Um... It did not seem at all like she'd need to tear her skirt to climb through that tiny hole. That is what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Uh, but I guess Trip wasn't going to say anything about it. No. Because he was so frustrated. Is he would just say, just go through head first. You, you'll fit. You could fit through the hole. You don't have to bend over. and uh, Anyway. Yeah. I was tempted to say that this ruins Perfect Mate, but Creos uh, definitely just sucks even in Perfect Mate. So, yep. whatever. They're a shitty planet, and now we know everyone on there is shitty. That's true. That is correct. <laughs> this woman's going to be their leader. Yeah. Someday, I'm not. It's not actually clear what is what she's waiting for. Does someone else have to die or something? I don't really know what we're. Uh, she's her ascension is coming up when she gets back. So where has she been? Uh, I guess that means she might technically be underage. Uh, uh, so enjoy that that thought. Uh, she might be not. considered too young to rule. That's not good. Not clear that that's a hundred percent the issue. But it's one reading. Uh, but getting to best actor, worst actor. Mm. Uh, they gave me no choice in this episode. I have to give best actor to Trip. Yep. I didn't want to, but it's like, what you gonna do? Yeah. You gonna give it to Hoshi for her one line or to Paul for her one scene? Yeah. And uh, worst actor is Padma Lakshmi forever. She's so bad. So bad in this. She's better in the episode where she's just playing herself of 30 Rock, where she invents a new kind of sandwich bag that allows you to see the sa- to get the full visual of the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also have her, I said, Padma Lakshmi in her pre-Top Chef days, worst actor candidate. So we agreed on that. Uh, oh, and Ben, in his quick hitters, asks what accent uh, she's going for. I don't think he recognizes her. That's her normal voice. She's yeah. not doing an accent. That's how she talks. She sounds like a like like a fucking asshole. Uh, I mean, you're right that it sounds fake. Yes, but uh, that is the voice that she uses to speak in daily life. So we can ask whatever questions we want about that. But I don't. She. That's not like she has a bad dialect coach. That's just whatever's happening there. Yeah, she has a bad life. Her life is and you said that the uh, alien gun prop is just a generic pistol with shit glued on. And that, listen, at least it's not the Euridian pistol or whatever. At least, at least it's not another example of the Varenti disruptor mm-hmm. that shows up 85 more times after that. Not to mention Bajoran phase pistols or whatever that show up with right. like 100 different aliens. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I got I'm f- sure you have a few. Yeah, I mean, we've basically mentioned them all at various points. Look at these fake Cardassians, worst actor candidate, Padma Lakshmi. Um, nobody's ever said no to this lady, so here come the sex looks. 
because someone said no to her. So now it's time yep. to fuck. And uh, yeah, turn to dress into a mini. These writers, just classic. Triff tells her he's not contagious, but like, who knows? Like, she might not respond well to his weird alien germs. Yeah, and he I has no way of knowing that. I didn't see him go through any like biofilters or anything. Well, they didn't rub the gel on each other. So maybe he is contagious. Trip was able to learn how to use the automatic landing sequence in this pod, along with everything else he does in there, without much effort at all. So I guess good job to the designers of that pod. Yeah, I mean, it is an escape pod. It's probably not supposed to be hard. And then, yeah, they had a fight and it turned to sexy times. Okay, I had to stop taking notes after that. So that was it. So, not a strong effort. The highest score either one of us gave was two. <laughs> Is that a first? It's the first size either one so of us So I won't given give away two. what the final score for the episode is, but that is a maximum of uh, 16 potential points. I kind of find it hard to believe there's been an uh, episode where neither one of us gave anything above a two. Oh, well, let's go find our all-time worst episode and take a quick look. So Carbon not... Creek was 14. Was there one lower? Th- yeah, no, no. Uh, Twisted was a nine, and uh, that also did not score higher than a two in any for case. For either of us? Jesus. Uh, no, I gave it the only two twos. You gave that episode three total points. <laughs> Yeah, but did you get it, though? The corridors were all twisted around. No, no. <laughs> Listen, I gave that episode six points. So, so it's not like I thought we were it. working with a real gem there and you disagreed. I think you understood it better than me. It got, you, got, you gave it some more points. I didn't yeah. understand that. It was above me. Uh, so not, um, you know, we'll see. This may not, this probably won't score worse than nine total points. That uh, That's a feat that may never come again. Yeah. But. Uh, not off to a great start. Fortunately, we watched four other Star Treks. All right. Next in the order is Voyager. This week we watched Deadlock. Ensign Wildman. I don't know her first name. Uh... Alien fucker. She fucks aliens. She definitely fucked at least one alien. Uh, Despite her blue uniform, is helping Neelix out with all of his kitchen appliances. You took my my first world building note already. Okay. It's gone. Uh, When she goes into labor. Cut to the bridge, where everyone is standing around talking about how it's really all of their baby. In a way, yeah, it's true. (laughs) Harry Kim's baby, even. (laughs) But they unexpectedly run into the edge of Vidian territory, uh, which is bad news. How can they unexpectedly run into the Vidians at this point? Yeah. They didn't ask any questions about where they were or how to stay away from the phage. Why don't they ask Neelix? He's supposed to be their guide. Hey, Neelix, how do we not run into the Vidians? These days, he's too busy making his uh, morning announcements. So, (laughs) you know, he doesn't have time for that kind of shit. Plus, he figured... By two years into this voyage, they they'd be well outside of the territory that he knows. Turns out that's not the case. No. Anyway, they try to skirt around it by going through a plasma drift. Yeah, that doesn't uh, Voyager makes the most shit up, right? Of any of them. There's a lot of... Well, we already know there's a lot of technobabble. Fully yeah. 40% of the script every week is technobabble. Um, while this is happening, the, uh, the pregnancy hits a complication... And it requires the doctor to beam the child out. Hmm. So take that, Mike Layden. Yeah. 
apparently they can do that. They just reserve it for emergencies, kind of like a C-section. And, you know, he probably asked that in real time after that episode aired, but I don't think either of us remembered that that had happened. Oh, boy. Because you probably hadn't seen it. So working back... Well, what is this, 1990? I was probably 18 or 19 when he made that comment. Yeah, this was like 1996 or something? 95? 96? Season 2 would have been Season 9 of TNG. So, yeah, this would have been 96. So, yeah, theoretically, his comment came after this episode had aired in real time. Whatever. But you had never seen it, and I certainly did not remember that someone had beamed a baby out. That's right. Um... As Voyager clears the plasma drift, though, they spring some kind of antimatter leak, and then all the ship systems begin failing, mm. uh, including the incubator that the newborn baby is in. Yes. They, uh, they try to set up some proton bursts to stop this leak, but before they can uh, initiate them, they start to get hit by proton bursts, mm. and that just fucks the whole ship up, and uh, the baby dies... Yeah, that's dark. They go to a dark place there. Harry Kim gets blown the fuck out into space. Right. That was and actually Kes, fine. And uh, Kess, who's running to help uh, an injured, uh, low-rent Scott Thompson from Kids of the Hall, <laughs> yep. vanishes into thin air. Uh-huh. Turns out there's a spatial rift. Good. Voyager's really spatial doing good so rift. far. We got a plasma drift and a spatial rift. It rhymes. On on the other side, there's an oxygen-nitrogen atmosphere, so at least we may not have lost Kess. Kess might still be alive. Oh, thank God. I couldn't watch the show without her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Voyager is wrecked beyond reasonable hope of repair at this point. Sure. Voyager is just so wrecked. It's uh, totally wrecked. It's got like a one million fractures in the hull. And as the ship is falling apart, uh, Janeway sees a ghostly image of an intact bridge. Cut to that bridge. Now we're on a... F- uh, seems to be perfectly fine, Voyager, and we see a ghostly image of Janeway entering the turbo lift as she evacuates the bridge. The broken one. The bad one. Yeah. On Voyager 2. They're continuing the proton burst procedure mm. to fix their leak. But they do begin to investigate the spatial distortion that Janeway saw, so at least we don't have to go through a whole thing where no one believes her. Yeah, well, I mean, they find Kess. Also, Kess is there. Yeah, they find Kess, so that sort of has some evidence. She's unconscious in sickbay. Yeah. Uh, But once she wakes up and Janeway 2 debriefs her, debriefs Kess 1, she orders engineering to stop the proton bursts. Right. And starts looking for a way to contact the other Voyager. Her bridge crew, including a living Harry Kim too, work out that the ship turned into two ships as they passed through the cloud. Cool. And they now occupy the same point in space-time. That's great. Because this is Star Trek, no one has to look this up. Janeway just remembers an experiment from Kent State where uh, matter was duplicated in this way, but antimatter can't be duplicated this way, and... That's why they are all out of antimatter and shit's wrong. Yeah, something exactly like this thing, 100% exactly like it, happened at Kent State. Go, Golden yep. Flash! Uh, so they plan to send Kess back through the rift to communicate, but she's not having a great time because she's having all kinds of emotions watching Wildman 2 bonding with her living baby. 
Yeah, that, that, that it was really her baby if you think about it. And it doesn't matter because then uh, Janeway and Torres two just figure out a way to communicate anyway. Yes, two minutes after Janeway asks, they figure it out. So they don't end up sending Cass through right away. Uh, the two Janeways talk, and they work on a plan to merge the two ships back together again. And no one asks the question, what does that mean? What does it mean, and could it possibly work? What are the consequences of this? And what will happen to us yep. when that happens? <laughs> what would that be? That's all right. What she are you proposing? She referred to another study uh, for something that happened at um, Bowling Green University. Oh, it's probably Bowling Green? Yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah, they yeah. were able to repair this situation. Um, but the thing doesn't work right. Then the two ships get a little further out of phase. And now they're in some big danger. Yeah, that's right. There's a big danger here. So Kess 1 and Janeway 2 use phase discriminators that they probably took out of Data's arm. Yep, we know he has to, uh, visit Voyager 1 and work out what to do. And the two Janeways have a little meeting up in engineering, and it becomes pretty clear that Janeway 1 has her mindset on blowing up her ship to save Voyager 2. Yeah, that's plan A. Uh, but Janeway, doesn't, Janeway 2 doesn't like this plan. Just, just doesn't feel good about it. Well, because in a way, that Voyager is everyone's Voyager. It's all of their Voyagers. Like that. Baby. That's right. In some, in in a certain sense, it is all of their voyagers. Yeah. Uh, she asks for fifteen minutes to come up with another solution, uh, which is exactly long enough for a Vidian ship to appear and start firing on voyagers on the voyagers. But the shots only hit Voyager two. Yeah. Then apparently they don't know Voyager one is there at all. Well, yes. Even though when they are flying up, they seem to notice that there are two of them. And they notice that something's fucked up. They're like, oh, that's really weird. Some weird. And also they uh, board the ship and start uh, killing everybody and stealing organs. Yeah, they go on a real murderous rampage. And they get, boy, just all the people we like. They get the Tom ha- the Tom Parises. Yep. They get the two forks. Yep. Yeah. So uh, at this point, Janeway 2 decides to uh, send Harry Kim 2 through the rift with Baby Wildman 2 and then blow up the ship. She's interested uh, in making this episode leave uh, exactly where it started, just like the writers. Right. So that's good. There couldn't we couldn't have a scenario where there are suddenly two Kesses on Voyager One. So we're only going to send through the people we've seen die. That's right. We're not even going to make reference to three other ensigns who were killed on Voyager One and send them through too. Nope. It's just uh, literally just going to be Harry Kim and the baby. Yep. And we're not going to. So Harry... She's not going to do anything like question whether or not it's okay for her to send everybody through and have duplicates of anybody she's right she's not exactly. even worried about it no no problems at all yeah uh so harry does some commando shit in sick bay and <laughs> takes that baby and uh then we see the ship explode and that blows up the vidians too so that's the end of that danger hmm. but don't worry harry kim is safely on the other side he is on that broken ass voyager uh then broken voyager starts home and uh, Anson Wildman bonds with her new baby. I can and only... I guess it's just Harry Kim 2 from now on. <laughs> yep, and I can only assume that Broken As Voyager just heads deeper into Vidian space. Probably just flies right for the Vidian <laughs> homeworld. It's the only thing that would make sense. Does Janeway's not a good navigator? No. Is that the problem? That's like, not her strength. She never... She would sit on the bridge when she was like a l- engineering lieutenant or whatever. Hmm. and she'd Or maybe at ops. And she'd hear the, the captain or the first officer just rattle out coordinates. Yeah, she she just wants and, to sound like them. 
And she just never figured out what screen or panel they were looking at to no. get those numbers. She actually and pulls so she kind of just fakes it. She pulls out like old like 16th century navigator maps. And they've been going in a big spiral. And Chakotay is so checked out that he hasn't noticed. And Tuvok's got whatever his personal reasons are. And no one else on the ship is competent. Chakotay, the character, exactly the same as Beltran, the actor. Yeah, he's equally checked, checked out. Checked out, yeah. He's too busy punching ex-Maquis crew members down in 10 forward. <laughs> Uh, okay, Matt. Yeah. What's this ding-dang old episode about? Well, I guess it's about um, how you believe you would act when the chips are down. As a statement, I guess. You only find out what you're really made of when faced uh, with real emergency. This whole thing with the two ships and the dueling Janeways threatening to blow up the ship is how they're exploring that, I guess. Um, we may have had one like this before, but I couldn't remember which episode it was precisely. It's, um... It's fine. It's sort of like the take of Star Trek 2, which if we were to put in this project would be something about facing a no-win scenario, right? Uh, boy, they sure do want you to, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, there's a lot of talk about it in two particular scenes, and then... It's just that both Janeway's plan A is to blow up the ship. Uh, anyway, the take itself is fine. I gave it a five. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're we're not far off here, so... If you, here's what I wrote, if you reserve the right to make a sacrifice on someone's behalf, you must also accept a sacrifice made on yours. That is a very specific take. It's not a real life problem. No. But it's like a good therapy concept, maybe. Yeah. Like, I could see being in therapy and someone would be like, well, listen, wouldn't you do that for them? Yeah, maybe like you're... So you have to let them do that for you. You got someone in your life who's like a martyr, and they're just always taking on everything. Right. Yeah, 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 I get it. Anyway, Janeway 2 doesn't want, you know, the whole thing hinges on the two Janeways. She yeah. doesn't want Janeway 1 to blow up the ship, but that is, as you said, that's her plan A also. They only, each of them, they are clearly the same because they, that's their plan A every time. Yeah. Uh, I only gave it four points. I don't think it's a super strong take. Okay. However, in execution, I'm a, I'm a little happier with this episode. I gave it seven points for execution. Oh, I see that as a good score. I think the Vidians are interesting. Because they have a... It's, by the way, it sucks that we keep encountering them. Yes. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. We've met a couple that are, like, individually, they can be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're not dealing with them as an existential threat, you you pity them. Like Schmollis's niece or whatever. Right, exactly. But in uh, when you get them in force, they're pretty awful. Yeah, but they have, like, a... They have a, a background... A, sort of a driving force behind them that makes sense. Like, you're like, yes. oh, here is why they're out to kill everyone. It's not just for kicks. Right. And they're like, yeah, we're not just evil, but, like, this is the only important problem on our world. Yeah. This is the one thing we cannot compromise on, so... We need we need your kidneys or whatever. I just wonder if they're still functioning as the anti-Voyager here. Like, they're doing... I guess they are, in a sense, because they do whatever it takes to survive, and in this one, Janeway 2 blew up her whole fucking ship. Yeah. So clearly survival is not her top priority, right? Yes. Um, I also think it was interesting that this episode didn't take the most obvious route out, which would be that somehow the damaged Voyager wasn't the real Voyager at all, and dead Harry Kim wasn't the real Harry Kim, and everything mm. was back to normal at the end. Or they just, they do find a way to reintegrate the, the ships. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh... I think, uh, yeah, like I said, one of the better ones in terms of execution recently, so I gave it seven points. 
I give it six. So we, again, are, are fairly closely aligned. Uh, in terms of the take, I, again, I think this was a way to show how the crew might perform in the face of uh, tragic or overwhelming emergency without the stakes really having to be that real. So... And we believe the results at the end because you get a flipsy. You get the one Janeway threatening to self-destruct, and then when the other one is in trouble, she does the same thing. So the, the she results calls DW. Are, yeah, the results are confirmed. Um, but I do think it was slightly more of a cool action episode and less of a study of anything in particular. Oh, it wasn't a thinker. Yeah. Now, I will say that I enjoyed parts of this episode. Um... Even if the stakes were zero and it all wrapped up in the end in a super band-aid-y way where it's exactly the same as it was when the episode began, uh, it was kind of an exciting diversion. But can we talk about the results? Yep. Uh, that ship was fried. Yeah, the The problem, real problem is, unless the next five episodes are about this, yeah. it makes no sense. Every system was down. Hull breaches and microfractures were all over the damn place. They were almost out of antimatter. If they're right as rain next week, I'm going to be kind of pissed off. Because <laughs> that uh, me ship too. was I'm broke. super worried. I probably will deduct points for continuity yeah. if the ship is normal. If they're just week. cruising around and they're like, oh boy, this... they won't even mention it. They would never mention it. Just no, I expect there will be one throwaway line about it. Oh, we fixed the ship because of uh, great engineers. We're just great Maquis engineers. I-, I expect that basically there will be a family-style nod to it. Do you know what I'm talking about? The episode Family? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like, hey, we are we're taking a fucking, dock. hey, we're taking a minute yeah. because of the Borgs. So you got time to go to Earth and fight your brother. Yeah, yeah. We're taking a personal day. Well, we shall see. I don't, I don't really remember what next week's episode is. <clears throat> yeah, I guess Landrew says it is something called. <clears throat> Sorry, I innocence. Think innocence, which could be anything. Uh, maybe it's about that baby. <laughs> I hope it's everyone's baby. Uh, so anyway, I found it entertaining enough to, to get up to a six. But, um, Ben uh, gave it a three on take. Uh, he thinks the take is weird shit in space. Yeah. I mean, it is weird shit in space, for sure. I, I mean, definitely. Again, plasma like, drift, fucking spatial rift. You You definitely just have to accept that this is a thing that did happen. That's right. Yeah. Like... You don't have to. You don't have to go. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess yeah. that makes sense. There's straight two of them. And then uh, execution. He gave a seven, which matches with what you gave. Um, he looks like he's writing this in real time because he's concerned that they're losing Ensign Kim. He doesn't think so. Um, oh, he was excited by the flipsy. So there you go. Oh yeah, the flipsy. That was. They got him on the flipsy because I think you're supposed to think that that broken Voyager is definitely going to have to be sacrificed, but no. All right. Um, world building. Like I said, my first note. Wh- what is this blue uniformed Preco lady's job? Yeah. She's fixing all of Neelix's shit in this opening scene. What is her specialty? But like just because she's there? But why can't he just leave a message? Look, they weren't they weren't going to make a second maternity uniform with yellow shoulders. <laughs> They'd already shown her in the past, and she was in blue. They just wanted to give her. Obviously, they wanted to give her some business to do. 
at the so start that she of the episode before she goes into labor. Like eating her soup or whatever, and then goes into yeah. labor. Yeah. So it wasn't just she gets into a turbo lift with Neelix and the turbo lift fails for no good goddamn reason and it becomes a whole thing. And she goes into, I don't know. Who, um, who runs the kitchen when Neelix is away? Because he just leaves with those burners humming. He really is. He's not cool about fire safety at all. No, he just he's got a lot right to learn. Uh, oh, look, the Vidians, human Katarian babies aren't unheard of. Uh, but those Katarian babies, they got mad exocranial ridges that really get into stuff on the way out. Yeah, it seems like a real scenario. Hmm. Uh, wait, they can beep the baby out? Why not just do that every time? Probably on the um, intraship message boards, the mothers who gave a vaginal birth are real shitty about the mothers who have a planned <laughs> right. out birth. Yeah, they prefer a natural approach. Yeah. And those other moms hate their kids. It's like, well, you didn't really do the work, though. Yeah, it's great that you put yourself first. I think that's really brave. Yeah. To not care about your baby. Yeah. Uh, this... That's the kind of thing assholes do in the current day. I don't want anyone to think that's my policy on <laughs> yes. C-sections because I don't give a shit. Yeah. Do what you want. Is the baby alive? You did good. That's you right. did so good. You're one for one. There's only one one data point there. You, you nailed you it. You fucking made it. Baby good job. Uh, this proton burst therapy for the warp core. Uh, Dermaline gel for treating burns. Uh, they can tell exactly where that piece of broken bulkhead comes from on the ship. I know, it's like it's got a fucking serial number on it. Yeah, they fucking scanned that thing into the system. Like it's when, they, got a when they found that piece of that wing of the missing Malaysia Airlines flight. Yeah, they just scanned the barcode on that motherfucker. Uh, again, go Golden Flash. Uh, that nasty old whistle has a Starfleet signature? When they, yeah, when what they, does that mean? They send that, that terrible noise over the communicator, and they're like, definitely a Starfleet signature. It's like, wait, what? What? Uh, and then uh, the no further audio warnings on the self-destruct. Not sure if that's already happened in one of the self-destruct sequences on TNG. Did that happen in Nagilam? I forget. It, it might, might have happened in Nagilam. Yeah. Um, all in all, that's a, th- that's a three, right? That sounds like a three to but, me. Uh, Picard probably wouldn't have wanted them to interrupt his music. <laughs> that is what yeah, he wanted to listen to some settee or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a three for me, a standard, a standard three. Okay. Uh, I almost gave it a four for beaming the baby out, but I don't know what situations that they do that in. I, it's not clear. Plasma drifts, proton beams, spatial rifts, can states still exist, phase discriminators. Harry Kim 2 is what I gave this four points for. Oh, because now we got... That's a, world building. He's a different an dude. out-of-universe Harry Kim. Even though the, the universe only uh, diverged It only diverged ten minutes ago. ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's not that out of phase. I like that they're. He's not going to get to talk about what they did on his voyager, and they're going to be like, "Dog, they were the same yesterday." No. <laughs> well, you know, on my voyager, I had sex with yesterday. a lot of women, a lot. Let me tell you, that's why. Uh, that's why it's dumb and obviously bad that when uh, the doctor asks if the other doctor had a name, <sighs> Harry like, Kim's like, "What the fuck are you not like? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Do you have a name? You're the same. <laughs> did you come up with a so name in the like, last ten minutes? You know, I, then no. You know, I never asked." <laughs> What? What, though? It's wild. Yeah, that's not good, is it? No, it's not good. But that's bad writing. That's a hallmark of this show and all of the shows. It wouldn't be Voyager without that. Uh, I gave it as many as four points just because 
Harry Kim actually died and has yeah. been replaced. And, like, they don't say it, but his body is just fucking floating in space right now. Yeah, they never, like, They did not back. retrieve it and bury it. And they never, they never undid yeah. the double, so... Exactly. He's just out there. Gross. And not only that, but presumably, there's a dead baby on board still. <sighs> yeah. Are they yeah. Gonna, yeah, there is. They're going to bury it? Hey, what are they going to do? Is she going to hold that baby and like while they shoot the other one into space in a torpedo? Was anyone else sucked out of the ship like Harry Kim? Uh, I think he's the only one okay. that we're told was killed. I just don't know whether it's worth it for the Vidians to send out a salvage operation to get his frozen body, if it's just him. Oh, yeah, for those all those frozen organs. They're, I wonder what kind of shape they're in. Vidians Probably are really good at this bad shit. shape, they're, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, f- I assume there's some kind of... I don't know. It was like a whole day before they showed up. They probably don't even know about Harry Kim. Yeah. That's too bad. There's just a, it's just a laying out there. It's a waste. There's lungs and shit out there. He wasn't, like, stabbed or anything. He's just... Actually, lungs are probably more damaged. The, yeah, the lungs are probably not in great shape. Lungs shapes. are probably not in great shape. But there's a, he's got kidneys and shit. That little kid wasn't a drinker or nothing. And again, I think the Vidians are good at this stuff. I think they could use some of those bits. But, I just yeah. again, I don't know how much how many resources they have available to go out and find Fucking fresh pancreas out there? God damn. Yeah. The good stuff, too. Asian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. In Star Trek Online, we do find out what happened to Harry Kim's body. Oh. Uh, extended Universe. That's right. Um, okay. I know you were worried. Uh, characterization. Okay. Uh, actually, thought it was pretty solid here. Okay. The only part at the end that didn't make a lot of sense to me was when Tuvok is questioning Janeway about her decisions. Like, would you really have blown up the ship? That should have been someone other than Tuvok. Yeah. Like, Tuvok would instantly see the logic of destroying the bad wrecked Voyager to save the good one. Yeah. It, that should That's a question that should have come from a human character. Well, again, Chakotay was pretty checked out. Yeah, no, I get it. But, like... <laughs> well, that's why I said Chakotay or Torres or someone. Yeah. Should have been maybe Wildman. They were already in... She was already in sickbay. Thanks for my baby. Also, would you really have Would you have killed ship? us all? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, and I didn't think Harry Kim should be that good with a phaser. Uh, but what about his real Miles O'Brien shoulder roll that he did? Yep. Uh, Pretty well, good, you'll right? you'll be happy to know that that was something that Garrett Garrett Wang suggested. Oh, cool! Because he had done a stage combat class. Oh. And is this? I mean, I feel like that's the best we're ever going to see out of his training. Yeah, um. he did. He did a forward shoulder <laughs> roll and then shot a phaser. What? What do you need? <laughs> Um, but no, uh, I didn't think there were any real character goof-ups in this one. I gave it a seven. Whoa! Hold yeah, on a I second. thought that, uh, this is the Janeway that we have seen before. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the good Janeway from the first three episodes before, before things went real bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I gave it a seven. This may be where we diverge on this episode, then. I guess it could um, be. Home is wherever you happen to be, according to Chakotay's dad. Which is... Uh, no, he was a rambling man. It's a really dumb saying. I hope Kes is a good student. All right, I, sorry, I know Kes is a good student, but why does she know things like how to modulate the osmotic pressure on this baby's dang old cell membranes? Like, has yeah, that it seems ever like a weird up? thing to have come up before. Yeah, why would that have come up previous to this incident? <laughs> Uh, Kess is also haunted by dead babies. Um, <clears throat> just to show you how long ago this was. 
when I took these notes, I said nothing compared to how haunted I was by the Warriors game four loss to Houston. <laughs> so that's it's been a little while. This is a while back. Um, <clears throat> the doctor gets to say things like, "Not if I can help it." Did they forget that we hate him? Uh, you know what? That does suck. I'm taking it down to a six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot that the doctor is not good in this one. Yeah, and he keeps saying our baby, which is not cute at all, but like fucking creepy. Yeah, it's so weird. So he's like he's like that on the other ship where the baby lived. We have to presume he would also be doing that on the real ship. He's like... Because, again, they only diverged an hour ago. Don't worry, I'll protect our baby. And it's like, mm, that's not... We're not in the mirror universe here. I don't like it. Janeway once walked seven kilometers in the rain because she was upset that she lost a tennis match. Also, she has one trick, and she learned it from Picard. It's self-destruct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, has she ironically surrendered yet? Um, Oh, she hasn't learned... Oh, you weren't saying she learned all of Picard's tricks. No, but that trick she learned from Picard. That's her one trick. Um, As usual, I found this to be one of the weak points. I gave it a four. Ah, well, we are a little different there. Ben, uh, I don't know. Ben's splitting the difference. But he gave it a six. It looks uh, like he. Uh, first of all, he was a five on world building. Yes. He also wondered why anyone would ever deliver the natural way. Because because the doctor wasn't like it's extremely dangerous to do it this way, but we don't have a choice. It's an emergency. He's just like, eh, we'll just beam it out. Yep. It's fine. <clears throat> That's why you have to then ask the question. Well, then why wasn't that the plan all along? Uh, I don't think in Star Trek we've ever seen anyone give birth not under pressure. Yes. Like, not clear that they could beam the baby out in the one where Worf has to deliver. I mean, we know they can't. Yeah, the whole ship's broke. The whole ship is fucked. Yeah. By the way, a week Uh, later, the ship's fine. He gave it a six for characterization. Yes. Uh, Janeway's making a baby blanket. The subtitles call the Dr. Zimmerman. Oh, God, do they? Yeah, apparently. I didn't notice that. Well, that's a spoiler alert. Uh, but we know his name is Schmollis. It's Schmollis for I'm not worried about that at all. By the way, he gives it a six, but he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of... There's no, there's no, no real reasoning. explanation for what makes it a six. <laughs> I don't blame him. Don't, I guess that's just his overall feeling. Yeah, don't spend your time taking notes on this. No one should do that. Um, and like you, his, oh, his only quick hitter is that she's constantly trying to blow up her own ship. It's kind of insane. She's just like, I'll blow it up. No, don't blow it up. I'll blow it up. <laughs> yep. Uh, I can do a quick hitter. I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody on the ship is all caught up in this pregnancy. Just sitting there, smiling on the bridge about it. Quietly talking about how it's their babies. Um, nobody told Hogan not to stand next to any panels at all. Remember, we talked about this? He's an engineer, he should know that. We talked about this last time. Go stand in the middle of the room when shit starts to go down. All the panels are little bombs. And cover your eyes. Yeah, they're bombs, dude. Don't Definitely stand cover your them. eyes. They're going to blind you. Sparks flying everywhere. It's bad. Something There's plasma me. in there. Plasma. <laughs> Don't stand next to it. I would forever be the guy getting yelled at for not being at my station. I'd be like, my station is a grenade. I'm not <laughs> going near it. Oh, man, you know these things explode. It's going to blow up. They all blow up. I'm not going to do it. Or if it doesn't, blue sparks are going to go into me and Data's going <laughs> to throw me across the room. <laughs> Uh, yeah, something told me uh, Voyager wasn't going to kill Harry Kim and that little baby, so of course it got bandaided at the end. Um, conjoined twins is the preferred nomenclature, Kate. 
They're not Siamese anymore. Oh, does she straight up say Siamese twins in this? I missed oh, that. Oh, yes, she does. She says the two Voyagers are, like, connected. They're, like, Siamese twins. And I, nice. That's, that's that's not good. They're like Chang and Eng, <laughs> the original Siamese twins. You remember them from Siam, the proper from term. From the freak show. The proper term for that part of the world. Do you remember the famous <laughs> freaks, Chang and Eng? <laughs> Uh, why are those two Janeways framed so close together? Couldn't they, if they were going to pull a double Janeway twig, just edit her, like, a couple of feet apart? I think sometimes... So there's two ways to parent trap, right? One is you're very careful about it, and it's very obvious that you're parent trapping. Sure. And the other is, let's see if we can be a little edgy with it. Let's seem like we're not afraid of this parent trap. We're going to do a real close-up of this parent trap. Like, let's not worry about putting a hard vertical line somewhere (laughs) in between them so it's easy to cut together. That's right. But it's just like they're basically talking into each other's mouths. Like, they are right next. They're as close as Riker follows behind Picard on the bridge. Like, they're that close. Well, here's my theory. Janeway wanted to go talk to her somewhere private, but that ship was a fucking wreck. So they just went upstairs next to the thrumming warp engine. They do. They very carefully, very slowly go up to the top section to have their little chat. And it's like, I guess they do have to talk pretty quiet or somebody's going to hear them down below. Yeah. You're going to blow up the fucking ship? What? I uh, yeah. She's gonna blow up the shit. It's, uh, it's it's Plan A, guys. It's Plan A. Oh fuck! I told you to prepare for Plan A. It's Plan A. Ah fuck! She's gonna blow it up. We're all gonna fucking die. Everyone, stand oh, next to your it. station. It's the quickest this way to go. Stand next to your station. You'll go fast. Uh, I yeah. definitely had worst actor candidate action Kim. Um, or maybe can't find the baby. No, Kim. Uh, they're both bad. I still gave it to Paris. Oh. Running, running and shooting Paris? Running and shooting Paris. Running oh, and was shooting not Paris good. was brutal. <laughs> he can't do a run and shoot the same way Troy can't do a walk and talk. Yeah. Everyone's got their uh, weaknesses, I guess. Was that a nod to Star Trek uh, 3 with the timer counting down after the ship's been commandeered? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was. It works a lot better in Star Trek 3. Those because, by the way, Kirk's not there going... Welcome to the bridge. <laughs> That's right. Kirk Welcome is on the their gentlemen. ship. Welcome to the bridge. And the Klingons don't appear to understand English in Star Trek Three, which gives no, it a I guess they bit don't more. have a universe. It's very, it's very difficult. <laughs> They're looking at it like I don't on. really know what's going on right now, and then they blow up. Ah, the ship is counting at us. Well, I think these are huh? numbers, but I don't really. Uh, I'm Christopher Lloyd. Get off that ship! <laughs> oh, uh, that's all I had. <clears throat> Uh, Wildman looks like Anna Gasteyer. Sort of, yeah. So just enjoy that thought. If only it had been Anna Gasteyer. That would have been something. I already told you you run out of, you run into that Harry Kim in Star Trek Online. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, it, it okay, cannot... so we talked about this a little bit off air. Does it just go around trying to correct all the bad plots in all the shows? It's like, uh, remember that DS9 episode that sucked? We should probably get into that. Yeah, uh, listen, we'll talk about, let's talk about Star Trek Online here for a minute. It's a bad game. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> it's not a good game. Um, however, whoever is in charge of making it Star Trek-y hmm. is put in, has put in so much more work than any of the actual Star Trek writers. They are constantly having to explain the dumb one-off shit that yeah. happens in episodes of Star Trek. Like, we'll, we'll see... There's some throwaway shit in this week's TNG, which we'll talk about next. Okay. That's like, 
Oh, these incredibly powerful ancient aliens. Well, we can't leave this technology behind. Yeah, it's dangerous if the Romulans get it. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're the main villains of Star Trek Online. Okay. But <laughs> there's like 10 minutes of talk about them in TNG. So they have to go to so much trouble to try to make it all fit. And as two people who have spent uh, an inordinate amount of time doing much more work than the writers, this is something I both understand and condemn. Oh, yeah. I condemn it. <laughs> Yeah, don't do more work than the writers, yeah. for sure. But um, here's the thing. They're getting paid to do it. That's true. That's a little bit... Well, this whoever is my second to, job, so... Whoever has to think, well, Nemesis happened. Oh, God. Or no, uh, no, the Star Trek reboot happened. Well, either way. We have to figure out a way to make that shit with the Romulans at the beginning make I any mean, kind of sense. That is... You can't... I mean, I don't even... I don't want to know what they come up with, because that's bonkers. The dude must have spent weeks working on it. Anyway, it turns out the enough, Iconians were involved. It would have been hard enough to make Nemesis make sense, honestly. Nemesis is pretty bad, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When so, we get all the movies, we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can't wait. Come on, imagine pitting that one up against the I think the only way to do it is to The only way to do it is to put all ten of them up against each other. Sure. In one huge episode. Oh, one Megapod, 19 hours, everyone ready? Ten two-hour... We're discussing ten two-hour movies. We're going to break the bank. Yeah, shit, at that point, we'll, we'll do the reboots, too. We're make, discussing 13 two-hour movies. Make it a telethon. Um, yeah, so, yes, the answer to your question is, yeah, they have, they spent a lot of time trying to put right what once went wrong. Okay, including, apparently, this episode. Yeah, here. anyway, Harry Kim, Harry Kim 2... Sure. Has to convince the Kobali version of Harry Kim One not to do some bad stuff. We we'll get into it when we find out whatever the hell the Kobali. I was going to say I'm not exactly. Sure I assume it's is. coming up in Voyager. All right, and it's not invented from whole cloth. Okay. Uh, it cannot be fun to breastfeed this spiky ass baby. No, I mean it was bad on the way out. It's probably still bad. Yeah. Uh, no one even stops to think about what it means to merge the two ships again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little bit of an overcorrection because it should definitely be less than 30 minutes of antimatter, not fewer than 30 minutes of antimatter. <laughs> it's like a, a minute, minute is it's a, a unit, unit of, of antimatter. How do you know? They're not antimatter minutes? What do you know about it? I mean, definitely they talk about kilograms of antimatter oh, okay. everywhere else. So Sorry, never mind. Seems <laughs> like we just use math. We only have 30 antimatter it. minutes left. Yeah. Real, uh, real overcorrection on there, but that is all the quick hitters I had. I, uh, it's plenty. I left it all in the description, which I already read. I give best actor in this one to Janeway. Uh, take your pick, and worst actor to Tom Paris. Tom Paris. Run and shoot, Tom Paris. Just couldn't yeah. get it done. Uh, next in the order this week is the Next Generation, Ooh. and we watched Contagion. The Enterprise responds to an urgent call from Captain Donald Varley, an old friend of Picard's. Varley's ship, the Amato, the sister ship of the Enterprise, has been plagued by a series of system malfunctions while in the Romulan neutral zone. Upon rendezvousing with the Enterprise, Varley explains to Picard that he was investigating rumors that started making the Iconians sound a lot less like legend, and that he had, in fact, located the planet Iconia inside the neutral zone. Yeah, Doug, what is a what is a Federation captain? Dude, he is on some weird detached duty 
from Starfleet yeah. to go like legend hunting. I guess he's like Indiana Jones out there in this shit. I'm just going to fucking, I heard about some archaeology <laughs> that was pretty hot. I'm definitely going to just go violate the neutral zone. I know we're one of the most powerful and important ships in the fleet, but like these Iconians, I gotta know. If this shit is real, then they've still been dead for 200,000 years. <laughs> That's right. But. <laughs> this is still crucial. It's crucial. Well, wouldn't it be cool? Uh, as Varley continues revealing his goal of preventing the Romulans from gaining Iconian technology, his transmission to the Enterprise cuts in and out. Worf detects a failure in the Yamato's antimatter containment chamber. Before the Enterprise crew can act, the Yamato explodes and all 1,000-plus souls aboard are killed. Meanwhile, a Romulan warbird enters the Enterprise's sensor range. Shit's getting real out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Who is it? I mean, sometimes... Who's on that ship? Sometimes in TOS, like, five solar systems get wiped out, but the stakes this week in TNG are a 1,000 dudes have died already. Um, the Enterprise begins investigating whether the Romulan warbird is responsible for the destruction of the Yamato because they're not paying attention. Yeah, because they should have known it seems that it was not. Pretty the clear that it was not the Romulans. Um, after Picard and Sub Commander Taurus exchange accusations, the Hakona—that's the name of that ship—cloaks. LaForge and Data determine that the antimatter containment failure was not caused by the Romulans. No shit and even entertain the possibility of a design flaw in Galaxy-class starships. Yep. As the investigation continues, Picard searches through Captain Farley's personal log, uh, which is wild. What is, yeah, what is you contained can just do that. in there? Well, what is contained in there is also Oh, wild. yeah, that's true. <laughs> to more thoroughly understand his friend's intent, asking the computer to highlight the words Romulan and or Iconian in the log. He knows all about Boolean search terms and stuff. In the archive logs... Varley described finding Iconian artifacts, locating their homeworld, a puzzling Iconian probe scan, and increasingly dangerous systems failures affecting his ship. In his final entry, he's determined to convince Picard of the importance of this mission for the safety of the Federation. Picard's ready room door fails to immediately open as he approaches, the first sign of trouble on the Enterprise. I mean, aside from the fact that there's a lot of dummies who work on it. <laughs> yeah, well... The bridge crew observes a visual record of the Iconian probe scan mentioned in Varley's log, and Data determines the coordinates at which this event occurred. Picard decides to take Enterprise to the planet, dangerously close to the Romulan side of the neutral zone, and assume the Yamato's mission, because... just, it went so well the first time. Doesn't check in with anybody. <clears throat> no, he's, again, he's also on his detached duty, I guess. A mission that Picard believes will prevent a war. Big question mark. Wesley talks privately with Picard about the Iconians, who were remarkably technologically advanced and were rumored to be able to magically appear on planets throughout the galaxy. However, Picard sees through Wesley's cover and asks him what really brought him there. And Wesley confesses that he can't stop thinking about how all the people on the Yamada were just suddenly dead, and he states he doesn't know how Picard and Riker and the others can handle it so easily. Picard reassures Wesley that they're able to handle it because they've been trained to do so, as Wesley will be. However, as he's remarking about the death of a single individual, he is interrupted by a malfunction in the replicator. He ordered some... I fucking love that they didn't have to write the rest of that speech. <laughs> they knew exactly. Everyone knows where he's going with that. Yep. If we fail to be moved by the death of a single... What? This isn't tea. It's a cup of fucking... It's a plant. It's he a got, potted plant. He got a potted plant. 
The Forge begins to suspect that the Iconian probe had something to do with the Amato's destruction, but has no explanation for the apparently random problems being experienced on the Enterprise. Upon arrival at the Iconian homeworld, the Enterprise finds the planet largely destroyed uh, approximately 200,000 years prior. One small energy signature remains, however, and soon a probe is launched toward the Enterprise. Picard initially intends to capture the probe in a tractor beam, but a frantic LaForge, who's about to go on a wild toad's ride... <laughs> For everybody. Now aware of the imminent danger... Is that danger. driving with a lit cigarette? Yes. Is that what's a wild it's toad's, a wild ride, toad's for ride for everybody? wild everybody. Now aware of the imminent danger, but unable to contact the bridge due to a, um... Well, let's just call it a plot-driven intercom failure. Yeah, that's just correct. Remember that the timing. ship is having systems failures, perfect, so... Perfect timing. Takes yeah, a yeah. wild turbolift ride to the bridge, thrown all about as it races through the turbo shaft. In fact, he's thrown so violently that his visor's knocked off. Upon arriving on the bridge, he's literally thrown out of the turbo lift just in time to warn Picard about the probe. Which makes all of that stuff that happened meaningless. Um, Picard orders Worf to destroy the probe, and after he does so, LaForge tells Picard that if the probe had successfully scanned the Enterprise, there would have been no chance of saving the ship. Though the strategy they end up using in the end probably would have worked fine. Seems like it probably would have worked. <laughs> would have worked just fine, I think. In the observation lounge, LaForge explains that uh, the Iconian probe was transmitting an alien computer program to rewrite the ship's software. That was the cause behind the Yamato systems failures. The Enterprise was not scanned by the probe, but did download the Yamato's log before its destruction, and contained within the log was the alien program. As LaForge and Data... Hold on, I just lost my place. As the Forge and Data work on correcting the problems, Picard decides to lead an away team to the planet's surface, over Riker's objection, to find more information. As soon as Picard, Data, and Worf beam down to the surface, a Romulan warbird, that, that same Romulan warbird, de Still the Hakona. decloaks in orbit near the Enterprise. They attempt to fire photon torpedoes at the Enterprise, but appear to be experiencing problems similar to those of the Enterprise, uh, leading Riker to conclude that they too have tapped into the Yamato log. Because Riker's doing some thinking in this episode. Yep. When another probe is launched from Iconia, Riker warns Taurus to destroy it, which she does. But because of the remaining Romulan threat, Riker needs the shields to stay up, meaning that the away team can't return to the ship. Right. They always have that. Something happens on board. Yeah. That By the way, could have just can't. been a transporter failure. Yeah. Would have made perfect sense. All the systems are broken. <laughs> On the surface of Iconia, the away team cannot establish contact with Enterprise. Picard and Data attempt to make sense of a large console in the Iconian control room. Data develops a working understanding of the controls. This understanding proves to be somewhat less than perfect, however, as Data's attempts to engage manual override result in the appearance of a gateway. A series of shifting landscapes and architectures cycle through on the gateway, and Picard concludes that the Iconians traveled the distant worlds through it, uh, as easily as we would cross a room. This is what... Oh, by the way, that's not a saying. <laughs> well, you know, when Picard says saying. stuff... I get it. He makes it sound uh, like a common turn of phrase. This is what Captain Varley was investigating and hoping to keep out of Romulan hands. As the team continues to stare into the gateway, an image of the Enterprise bit, uh, bridge appears briefly, offering a potential means of return to the ship. Meanwhile, Data appears to gain access to an underground power source, activated by the Gateway's appearance. But as he works the controls, an energy surge similar to the Iconian probe's uh, transmission cripples him. Picard and Worf try to assist Data as his software is being rewritten. 
Picard realizes that he must destroy all the Iconian technology and uses Data's last moments of consciousness to figure out how. He also orders Worf to destroy the tricorder containing everything that they've learned thus far about the Iconians, uh, I guess just in case that tricorder gets into Romulan hands. Yeah. Picard surmises that he can launch all the Iconian probes, but override the launch bay doors so that the backwash from the rockets spills into the power grids to create an overload. Data is able to give Picard the correct key sequence for launching the probes. Do you remember it? Oh, um... It's blue, amber, amber, amber red. Amber, red. Yeah. And for overriding the doors. Blue, blue, blue. Good job. Picard orders Worf to take Data through the gateway uh, the next time Enterprise appears. It's a fucking long description. Warf a lot of shit happens in this episode. <laughs> Worf arrives on the Enterprise with Data, because he went through the dang old gateway, and takes him to engineering. Uh, LaForge ascertains that all of Data's systems are just going crazy, but cannot help him. He laments not having an expert on Soong-type androids such as Maddox on the Enterprise to help with Data. The beeping emanating from LaForge's tricorder <laughs> turns into a continuous tone, and it appears yep. that Data has died. Yep. Data's got a heartbeat, I guess. Because that's how you know when mm. someone dies, when the tone goes steady. Yeah, that's some shorthand. Mm, but Data's eyes suddenly open and he sits up, apparently fully functional, but confused as to why he's on Enterprise. LaForge surmises that Data's self-correcting mechanism wiped all memory affected by the Iconian program in order to save him. This had required a cold boot. That's on the deep code level, in case you were wondering. That is in the deep code. Uh, LaForge proposes a similar procedure for Enterprise, a complete shutdown, a wipe of all affected memory, including the Yamato logs, and then a reload of systems from the protected archives in the central computer core. Riker's worried about doing this while that Romulan warbird's nearby, but LaForge points out that if they don't, they don't do it, they're just going to die anyway when the antimatter containment uh, inevitably fails. So they go ahead with it. Uh, Picard appears to have been successful. Seeing that the control room itself will be destroyed in moments, he decides to go through the gateway rather than die on, Icon uh, on Iconia. As he approaches it, the scenery switches from a pristine planet to the bridge of the Hakona, the Romulan warbird. Given his options, he quickly makes his decision and goes through the gateway. The Iconian program, now successfully removed from Enterprise's computer, uh, has Chief O'Brien... Let's see. Uh, Chief O'Brien searches for Picard on the planet, but as soon as the transporter locks onto him, Picard vanishes. O'Brien soon locates him on the warbird, where Picard learns that the Romulan's auto-destruct sequence is active and cannot be disengaged. When O'Brien beams him back to the Enterprise, Picard orders the bridge to move the Enterprise away because of the impending explosion of the warbird, but Riker intervenes and offers Taurus the solution to purging her computer systems. Picard seemed happy to just let that shit blow up. But. Yeah, but he didn't know that they had worked out a solution. So, I mean, I guess that's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the Enterprise leaves orbit of the now entirely barren Iconia as explosions continue to detonate on the horizon. Eventually, the Hakona, apparently able to purge its systems, leaves as well. Oof. You know, that's only a shot from the remaster. What, with the explosions? No, nah, with the Hakona leaves. Uh -huh. We never see what happens to the Hakona in the original. Um, does uh, Star Trek Online go over it? Well, this is why this is why in Face of the Enemy they created a new character for Carol and Seymour to play. Oh, because when they went back, they're like, we never actually, we don't know, we don't. Because they were like, they assumed that the Hakona blew up. Oh, dang! Yeah, I just thought it's in the they... remaster. It's pretty clear that it doesn't. I thought it was because they thought she played Romulan good. Oh yeah, they definitely wanted her. Yeah. Uh yeah okay fine you want to get into it mm. yes we do see Taurus again. <clears throat> in, oh, damn in it. episode 
of the Romulan mystery arc called Taurus. Oh, well, good. there you go. Well, that's good. She has become obsessed with Iconian technology wow. and is working on an Iconian gateway of her own. And that's what she, what, she learned about it from the Yamato logs? Because they blew all that shit up. Maybe she just went down to the fucking planet. But they blew it up. How can it be that that's the only thing that was on that planet? Well, I, I agree, but that is what this their is scans their capital. say. This is their capital. Their scans say there's only one thing that's left on the planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then they just fucking leave. <laughs> that's true. Well, it's in the neutral zone, you know? It's, they can't just no, no, out. yeah, I get it, but, like, they didn't. They didn't do a real good job. Like, no, in fact, they do everything they can not to get any information about Iconians. Again, they blow right. up all the information. Anyway, you do meet her later. Right, what you good. don't meet is the captain from Face of the Enemy. Um, I don't remember co- her name. Commander. Fuck. I remember Major Recall of the Tall Shiar, but yes. that's <laughs> Troy's character. I'm just going to look it up. <laughs> Look it up right now. Uh, Toreth. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so not I don't think you run. I don't think you run into Toreth in 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 STO. She'll have her own. They'll they'll release something soon. She'll have her own. Anyway, you sure do run into Taurus, though. Again, the whole the whole the whole big bad in the current state of affairs is the Iconians. So. Uh, don't they're responsible, by the way, for that Dyson sphere that Scotty crashed into? Oh, good. Yeah, they can be they're responsible. They're responsible for that supernova that blew up Romulus. <sighs> okay, but why does every single thing have to be related to the same thing? Like, why Why couldn't whoever made those spheres just be unrelated? Well, they're not Iconians. They're a client race of the Iconians. I'm just saying. Yeah. Couldn't have just been some other people. Demons of air and darkness, Matt. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> what's this thing about yeah presumably this is the point where you ask what my take what is, is it? here what is this uh, even benign technology can be dangerous in the hands of the untrained so the thing they find there is not eventually a weapon right but Picard's like no 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 can't let the Romulans have this yeah it's not a weapon in and of itself but can be used and similarly that probe was not a weapon though it did but it sh- mess their sure shit fucked up. everything up yeah uh, I think this is not a very Star Trek take, frankly, what? because it's kind of technophobic. Yes, and they again they, they do everything they can not to learn anything. Right, it, it's a little bit anti-intellectual, a little bit technophobic. Frankly, I also don't think this episode was really supposed to be about anything in particular. Uh, I only gave it two out of ten for that take. Boom. Uh, I'm not far off. I have some some treasures or some secrets are better left buried. Which, again, is the anti-intellectual Yep, that's take. not a Star Trek take. Um, I had it on the bad side of nothing. I had it as a four. Okay. It's just kind of, it's nothing. I think, I'm, I think you're totally right that this was not about anything. It was about a race against the clock and also Romulans. Ben's take on this one's a little more sophisticated. Uh, he says lack of familiarity can drive destructive behavior. The Iconian probes sent programming that destroyed unfamiliar programming. The Amato's captain feared what the Iconian technology might give the Romulans. The Romulans didn't trust the Federation when Picard and Riker said they were on a peaceful mission. So this is about distrust fueling destructive behavior for him. So maybe not necessarily... He only gave it a four on the take, but maybe he thinks the way they did it was good. That it all works together. Um, maybe because... 
Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Uh, I'm just too lazy to cut a shorter version. You should cut I thought a longer it would be version. funny. Okay, yeah, that's what I should <laughs> every do. Every week you should make it longer. I'll just add another klaxon every week. <laughs> uh, he gave it an eight for execution. Okay, so that makes sense then. Yeah. Um, the confrontation with the Romulans, a thousand lives lost, stakes, threat of interstellar war. He says the Rubik's Cube buttons are lodged in memory forever, yeah, so, but of course it probably means Simon. Yeah, I think he meant Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blue, amber, amber, red. And uh, he says not bad writing for most of it. Um, I don't remember any visits from the dialogue monster. I didn't write any down this week. I don't think I have any in there. The worst, I mean, that Wesley scene with Picard could have been bad, but I think they skated, you know, skirted around it. Yeah. Um, he gave it an eight. What did you give it? <clears throat> somewhat less than an eight okay the iconian mystery has been solved not really but picard thinks he's pulled a kirk and figured out every single aspect of it yep uh but anyway it comes at a price right uh you got the end of the yamato uh possibly the end of the enterprise and the romulan ship and even worse if the romulans could figure out how to adapt the technologies found there blah 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 uh, so blow it the hell up and uh, don't even keep your tricorder records. Also, never go back there, even though it must be full of future tech. Yep. It's just insanely stupid, everything that happens here. Um, generally, the crew was pretty competent, and the destruction of Yamato gave the episode stakes, as Ben pointed out. But a lot of this episode is kind of atonal with the rest of TNG. This old Captain Varley risks a lot to go pursue his weird hobby, which gets his whole crew killed. And nearly gets Picard's crew killed, too. Then Picard decides to blow it all up rather than study it, you know, for reasons. And then he seems so peppy and excited in the final scene, as if we forgot a thousand people died ten minutes ago. Yeah, it's a real it's Kirk a, ending. It's a TOS ending. It's not one of TNG's best. He sasses the Romulans on the bridge as he beams out, and then it's just fucking... He's like, he's like, he steps off the pad like he just went on a fucking super adventure, and it's like, um, you know your buddy's dead, and also a thousand plus people. I, now I know why you keep all the, the yeah. all, all the away team missions for yourself, number one. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, my best friend died today. Yeah, uh, so I gave it, um, uh, significantly less, I gave it a three. Yeah. On the executions. I just thought it wasn't a good, not one of TNG's better episodes. Um, here's where I am on this. A lot of, first of all, I noticed that they're doing a lot of handheld shots in this episode. Mm -hmm. A lot of cinematography here. For action. Uh, this episode runs at maximum tension the whole time, and it has no B-plot. That's true. I thought it was weird how they did a better computer virus episode in 1988 than most media has managed since, though. Yeah. Like... Frankly, it's they handle this a lot better than episodes actually about computer viruses. And no one, there were no computer in 1988. There was probably one hypothetical computer virus that could only attack, I don't know, like a PDP 10 or something. Right. You know, some ma some weird mainframe computer. Well, yeah, like nothing was almost nothing was networked. So what? what right. How would you introduce it? You know uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and but despite that. Uh, that doesn't seem like nothing about what happens to the Enterprise seems crazy in this one. 
Yeah, no, I think that's true. Uh, the time I tried to download that PlayStation emulator, <laughs> random things started going wrong on my computer. If your shit had had an antimatter, <laughs> exactly, it eventually uh, would have failed. Pod in there. Thank God, sparks didn't house. shoot into my face. I swear to God, yeah. I shouldn't sit so close to this thing. Well, as luckily, your monitor didn't get a virus. That's so it was right. just the computer. Yeah. Um, I wish Picard had challenged the premise that this technology had to be kept out of Romulan hands. At yes, all costs. boy, that would have been good. That is the anti-Star Trek business that happens in this episode, right? Yeah. Is, it's just, it, it's like it becomes a dumb spy movie or like an Indiana Jones or something, Well, right? because that, the whole premise of the story doesn't make sense. I get into it in my next three sections. He just goes, it might start a war or maybe prevent a war or whatever. And you're like, why? What are you talking about? It is, a, it is as if the unspoken assertion is that the balance of power between Romulans and the Federation is so finely honed sure. that if the Romulans get one extra piece of technology, it's going to be total war. Yeah, except there's no reason to believe that before Captain Varley was nosing around that they had any idea that thing was there. Yep. It had apparently gone unnoticed for 200,000 years. Yeah. And it's the neutral zone, so you're not allowed to just go hang out in there. I, yes. I, I just... I, Everything about it was like, I don't I don't understand what the urgent threat is here. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, I'm a four. I'm a four on this one. Okay. In terms of world building. Yeah. Uh, other galaxy class ships. Mm-hmm. The Iconians, although we've already met the Takan and a bunch of other old dead throwaway empires, so no reason to think that should be anything. And in fact, it's not. Yeah. Because Star Trek Online doesn't count. Uh, fail, the fail-safe business uh, around the antimatter and the Enterprise computer was mildly interesting. Mm. It made it feel a little bit real. Like when Jordy's giving his explanation about how there's an automatic purging system that started to happen and then it was interrupted. Yeah, he gives it like a, it feels like a real use, a real use case. Like right. You're like, oh, okay, I understand why that would work. Uh, like that seemed fairly real, so that's not too bad. Uh, 90% of what happens on the Enterprise is computer controlled. Okay, what is the other 10%? Is it mechanical? Is it uh, I guess people pushing buttons, I guess. Someone's got to someone's gotta move all those cargo... Uh, we haven't seen the cargo bay yet, but someone's got to move all those uh, yellow plastic barrels around. So someone's got like uh, a real old school computer that they just control with a little joystick or something? <laughs> something I'm just like trying that. to figure this out. <laughs> It should. It's probably all pretty computer controlled. Um, it's still just the standard three, though. I liked some of that business, but there was just not much of it. For some reason, I have a huge section here, so we'll see if any of it is anything or if it's all questions. Um, okay, let's see. Let's see. USS Yamato, sister ship, galaxy class. Uh, the weird circuit panel behind Varley's captain's chair. What was that business? Oh, they were taking apart the tactical station. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, you have to remember that that ship was uh, falling apart and they were trying to fix it. Yeah, I was like, what? what is even that computer? I forgot the tacticals back there. Um, let's see, the Iconian homeworld was apparently in what is now the neutral zone. The lure of power is so great it's worth pissing off the Romulans um, so they can either have the power or deny it to the Romulans. Um the shields appear- by the way, by the way, his big secrecy plan involves taking a ship with 600 civilians on it there. It's insane. The shields apparently handled that big piece of debris that hit them when Yamato blew up. A giant yeah, piece was, of debris flies right into them. That's what deflectors are for, right? But I always assumed it was for small stuff. That is a huge chunk of ship Yeah. that I guess just bounces off. Um, 
More than a thousand on board Yamato, including families, so that sounds just like the Enterprise. Like they have the same crew makeup. Yeah, presumably. Maybe they have two archaeologists instead of one or something, right? <laughs> I hope they have an historian on board so they can go holodecking. Oh, you don't send a ship out without okay, a good. historian who specializes in the 20th century. <laughs> uh, is Iconia a hobby for this guy? Or is he on weird detached legend hunter duty? That's what I was asking earlier. Yeah, it's like... Is there some fucking destroyer captain jamming around the Mediterranean right now trying to follow up on leads about Atlantis? <laughs> and he doesn't check in with the with anyone. He just is going about his business. Like we have there's this fucking guided missile destroyer all over there away from its battle group. And it's oh, what's he doing? Pottery? And the other uh, rogue captains run into him out there and they go, What are you up to, Donnie? And he's like, I'm looking for Atlantis. And they're like, I'm telling you, I've, I'm telling you, this pottery's from Atlantis. And then his ship goes down, and the other captain's like, I gotta take this on. We gotta keep buddy. it out of the hands of the Ruskies. Ruskies can't have Atlantis and all the secrets there. Uh, approximately 200,000 years has passed since the catastrophe on the Iconian homeworld. Pulaski sends medical teams through access tunnels, which makes yep. you go, oh yeah, they only have turbo lifts and no emergency stairwells. Uh, yeah. No stairs I on mean, the ship. We see them, like, oh, once or twice. You only ever see them in engineering where it's all wide open. Wait, stairs? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had stairs. I thought they had, like, the little elevator. Oh, you... they're ladders. I meant ladders, oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so no stairs on this ship. I don't think Just so. Just ladders, tunnels, and lifts. You'd think there'd be stairs. There are right? stairs on cruise ships. That's what I'm saying. You would have emergency stairwells, but apparently not, because you got to go through all the weird access tunnels if the turbo lift's broken. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I put that in world building. Um... Hey, I guess if you have the transporter also as a backup, I don't know. Where'd all these doctors come from? Oh, I know, right? Suddenly, now there's a whole, like a full lieutenant <laughs> who doesn't know what a splint is, by the way. Yeah. She has a huge staff in that scene. There's like 20 doctors back there. The only doctor we've ever seen is Solar. Yeah. And we have not seen her since. 99 times out of 100, if you see something in sickbay, it is the doctor and no one. There is yep. no one else there, but suddenly she's just got fucking doctors on doctors on doctors in this. And you guess, also that dude doesn't know what a splint is. This is some Voyager-level dumbness. Yeah, it's like, pretty bad. They're like, what's a suture? And you're like, oh, god damn it. Um, the torpedoes on a Romulan ship appear to be shot from the underside of the, the bottom of the hull there. Yeah. And the phasers from inside the hull on the upper section. That does seem like an odd place to put that emitter, but I guess the front of the ship only cuts off a little bit of it. It just seems like the graphics people were not given any instructions. They're just like, I don't know, find a bump and shoot <laughs> yeah. out of the bump. <laughs> so they just chose random places. Is a sub-commander supposed to be senior enough to command a Romulan warbird? What are Romulan ranks? It's very, It's a very interesting question, because this is the biggest ship we will ever see. Yeah, like, it's gigantic. Like, definitely we're supposed to think that this ship is the equivalent of the Enterprise. Yeah. So you would think that they would have a full captain. Which, again, in Star Trek Online... Oh boy. ...is a person with the rank of commander, yeah. not sub-commander. and I think later on, the Romulan captains are all rank of commander, I think. 
Yes. But it, at this point, we see this ship, and this lady is only a dang old subcommander. Look, it's a big nonsense. I think all the time, all the time, about the hunted. Mm. Where we Subadar. learn that Rogadanar rose to the rank of Subadar. It was a very honorable tour. Which is an Indian non-commissioned officer rank. Yeah. And I just wonder... What is that translation? How did it translate as Subadar? How did that translation happen? <laughs> yes, just like how it, did the computer go, ah, Subadar? Just like in real life where no, you wonder... No, not Corporal. Subadar. Where you wonder how all the romanization works. In Star Trek, you wonder how all the translation works. You just go, that's yeah. funny that they came across... Who decided that the Romulans were Roman? Like, how did this work? I mean, this happens with rank systems that are pretty far off from the ones that we're used to. Like, the Chinese generals and admirals and stuff someone made made a decision as to how those were translated but right. we just sort of called them what we call our own shits yeah and we don't care about the fact that their words mean different things but f- once you get into the idea that the romulans have centurions yes. why are they sub commanders and shit and then rogadanar's people got a subadar and it's like but how though? Yeah. Like it'd be it's wild enough that they're that the translators making a decision between a naval rank and a ground military rank, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Then to try to associate it with like earth Yeah. various earth culture terms is uh, wild. This is why my world building is often full of questions because Oh no, the I don't have all any questions idea, and, and no answers. As long as we're going to do more work than the writers, we might as well get into it. Uh, Dinosian Duand and it, did you say Ichabub? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Our language is similar to Iconian. I wasn't going to rewind to get those. Uh, uh, you visit all those planets in Star Trek oh, Online. I wish we hadn't opened this. Son of this. a bitch. Yeah, you, worms. you point it out every time. Uh, well, I don't know. Those dang Iconian portals. That's world building, I guess. Um, yeah. This portal seems extremely automated. Just picked up the Enterprise bid, bridge as a possible destination at random? Because they're in orbit, maybe? Yeah. How does it work? It is. It's super wild. I mean, one of those places is Toronto City Hall. So, so how did it know is it to Detroit go Detroit City Hall? Is it anyway, reading the Enterprise databanks? Like, why is it choosing these destinations? Yeah, 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 yeah. Questions. Yeah. Presumably, it's a little bit on the fritz. Because I can't imagine that that rotating system is how anyone would do that. Yeah. Now, just wait. Okay, now run! <laughs> yeah. This is their good system. Uh, ah, fuck, I mistimed it. I ended up halfway across the fucking galaxy. Oh, this place doesn't have a portal. Oh, nah, shit. Nah, shit. <laughs> I think I'm fucked. Yeah, I think we have to assume that it picked up on those two ships because they were in orbit. Would have been cool like if it, there was like a third Romulan ship up there. That you never cloaked. noticed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it's pairing Bluetooth automatically or something. Uh, yeah, I think that's basically it was a Bluetooth scenario, yeah. And it just doesn't pair. It doesn't successfully pair with either of those places, and that's why it doesn't stay locked. They didn't really get their interoperability tested and evaluated properly when this product was still in R&D. They should have talked to you. I know. It's come to me, guys. Um, let's see. Jordy acknowledges Maddox as an expert in cybernetics in this dumb data's dead scene. Um, yep. Data has a self-correcting mechanism that, like... Makes him invulnerable to alien brain rewriting. Um, yep. Which gives him the, inter- the answer to saving Enterprise. Riker refers to the Warbird as a battle cruiser. Not sure if that's based on anything or if he just wanted to call it that. Well, it has the armament of a battleship. But the armor of but the a cruiser. the armor of a cruiser. Yeah. 
I'm sure so, Riker picked all that up from the uh, briefing studies. Well, also, what's a battleship? Yeah. Um, Everything in Star Trek is a cruiser. We never see a squadron of ships, unless it's for some done. shitty race yeah. that has, uh, just so that we know that seven of their ships are no are nothing to <laughs> the, the Enterprise. Glove flies. Uh, well, just wait for another I know, couple I know, of I know. years for DS9. Um, uh, even in the Klingon Civil War, we'll see uh, uh, squadrons, true. right? But Yeah. Uh, Picard was talking during transport again, so that continues. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the transporter? Yeah, it continues. Um, I actually I have had, what is the transporter in my quick hitters, for sure. This was, like, my longest section. I actually had it as much as a five, but a lot of that was questions. I'm going to give it a four. All right. Yeah, nothing you said made me change my mind about my three, I, either. I so. would like to think all the Icon- Iconian stuff would matter, but... I wouldn't have a feeling after I watched this episode that it would. No, listen, we've never been back to talk to the portal yeah. at the, of the Takan Empire. Plus, they blew everything up when they left. So it's just yeah, that's like, true, too. They don't even want you to think about coming back. Uh, ben gave it as many as uh, six for world building. Damn. Uh, he wondered if biobeds had been named before. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Otherwise, all questions like you, but still a six. I guess you just felt like uh, some of those things must have been big. I know you just talked for an hour about <laughs> world building, but how do you feel about characterization? Uh, Riker is already smelling bullshit in this teaser. Yep. So he must still have his mojo. Because, um, again, we are tracking this. We need to know exactly... Well, he had it last week. Yes, we so... need to know when he has it and when he doesn't have it. Right, so he's still got it here. Uh, That's also my first line in characterization is decent Riker in command here. Yeah. And he basically tells Worf to shut his yap when Worf's having his usual animal Worf freak out. Yes. Uh, then he reminds Picard that they've had the no leading the away team discussion 100 times, but eventually gives into Picard's expertise. Then he bites off this rando security officer's head like it's her fault this shit is happening. <laughs> it's true. I, I never understand why we're supposed to like these people, but then they always make the Starfleet captains just real dicks. He's not cool about her at all. He's like, why are you breaking my ship? She's like, I'm sorry. I didn't I wasn't downloading anything. I don't know why we're virused. Get out and push or whatever. Yeah. Um then typical Riker diplomacy. He just shouts at the Romulan subcommander until the view screen gives out. <laughs> it's true. Awesome. It's still better than when Trip has some diplomacy to do. Yeah. Uh but at least in the end he doesn't condemn them to die. He gives them instructions on how to purge their systems. Um Animal Wharf is really losing his shit over the Romulans being there. I know he hates them, but dang. Cannot yeah, be hey, cool. Hey, buddy. Uh, when you were talking about how the, your greatest enemy is within, yeah, or whatever. Right. I know you were concentrating on your inability to ask for help from others, but maybe also think about the Romulans in your past a little bit. Add and that to the list. you might be... You know, in some ways, a slave to your bad feelings about them? Just saying, put it on the list. Maybe something to overcome, that's all. Again, not sure what Picard meant by perhaps prevent a war when Picard says they're risking starting a war. That's dumb. I already gave my shitty interpretation of that, I hate it. Taking a very aggressive action when the Romulans have shown no sign they're even aware of Iconians at all. Um, Is this where we find out about Picard and archaeology? It's been a hobby of his since the Academy, he says. Yeah, apparently something that uh, all Starfleet captains in Picard's time are interested in because Varley sure has a hard-on for it. Yep, maybe they were in uh, archaeology together. Under Professor Galen. 
Um, Picard does some Kirk-level hypothesizing about the images in front of them. There's a lot of supposition in this scene. Uh, Picard happily sacrifices himself to blow up the Iconian Gate. Uh, and then just as happily banters with Riker despite all the deaths on the Yamato. Wesley's very upset by the loss of the Yamato. He is not in this episode otherwise. Um, yeah. A lot of competent professional Geordi in this episode. Yep, Geordi's better than he's been the whole rest of the season in this one. Even in some of the, the dumb scene with the physical acting, I liked his data what happened. All deadpan, like, um, reminded me of Rick Moranis in Spaceballs. Spaceballs reference again. <laughs> it reminded me of Rick Moranis when he goes, Are we stopped? Well, how about a five-minute break? Um, why is Pulaski yelling at that Asian doctor? Racism is the answer. Well, we know she's subject to it. Troy gets overwhelmed by the amount of emotion floating all over the ship. Data's pretty... Uh, that, we'll talk about that in a quick hitters, but that, I thought that was a nice piece of business. Data is pretty cavalier about where he sticks his arm. <laughs> yep. Just walks up and sticks it right through there. And then acts like he did it on purpose, by the way. When Picard goes, oh, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, just proving that my arm... We know it's not a hologram. It's not what? inside of a hologram. Like, Pick up a rock and throw it. Like he totally plays it off like he had a fucking purpose for that. You know, like you did on the holodeck? Yeah, that would be a good way to start. Throw your fucking uh, phaser through or whatever. Uh, I liked Jordy in this episode. Picard was problematic. Worf has regressed again. Uh, I gave it a four. So you're just on the just on the bad side in this one. Yeah, bad side average. Uh, I was just on the good side. Oh, okay. So I had the six. Makes up for the difference we had in the uh, world building, I think. I thought the Riker and Command stuff was decent. I didn't think there were any moments that really failed to land. We had a few minor Picard speeches, more uh, more good than bad. Um, like like you said, Jordy's quite good in this episode. Worf sucks, but it's... That's the new Worf. We're used to it. This is the new Worf. <laughs> <laughs> he was so good in the second half of last season. Gave it all away. And they're just stealing it from us. Uh, I'm a six. Ben is also a six. Okay. Uh, saying Picard has only gentlemanly pursuits. That's right. Archaeology and uh, uh, classical music and uh, little open robes. Uh, yeah, it's true. He asked uh, if uh, Riker's fate protects fools, children, and ships named Enterprise is falsely serious or if his delivery is just silly. Well, like, if he doesn't mean it, is it a joke? This is a Frakes question. I never am sure what Riker's supposed to be doing because I don't know what Frakes is doing. <laughs> he wonders if Troy went through a goth period because she does her little dark humor when they're facing up the, to the Romulans. Yeah. He hated the Wesley uh, scene. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. I thought it was kind of cute how Picard is about to do his speech, but it gets interrupted. That part was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although it is weird that Wesley feels like he can just go to the ship's captain to talk about this. It's also his dad's friend slash maybe his dad. So slash, you never know. <laughs> Could be his dad. <laughs> Um, but Ben's a six like me on this. So, quick hitters. Do it. Got some. Why does the skin of the Yamato burn like that? 
Is someone thinking of the Hindenburg? Yes, they're made entirely. Yes, it's made entirely out of what the Hindenburg was made out of, and filled with the same stuff. It's a dirigible uh, in space. When Picard says that the Iconians appeared out of thin air on planets, and Wesley goes, "It sounds like magic. It, it sounds like a transporter. Sounds like exactly like a transporter." Yeah, Wesley's kind of acting like, like the security guard in that DS9 episode last week. I know Picard had just said. Uh, they traveled without the or without the use of starships or whatever, but then it just sounds like a far away transporter. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's that a- one shouldn't be that surprising. Again, just like the security guard last week on that dumb planet who was like, "Yeah, I know about transporters." <gasps> what happened? <laughs> you transported? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm familiar. Yeah, with That was the first I thing I looked for them. was transporter traces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what Wesley's like. Hey, where'd he go? Uh, um, I found the turbo lift scene pretty effective. Uh, in my memory, it was a lot hokier than it was. They, well, they get a good stuntman in there who's like doing some stuff where he's climbing up the walls backwards. Yep, and getting after it real good. Um, oh, I wrote, "Don't yell at that nice mom, Riker." Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't get it. I was like, Riker. It's a stressful situation, but this lady is not responsible for your problems. Uh, so I, I really liked that little bit of business that you alluded to between Riker and Troy mm. on the bridge where she she claims Riker thinks that she's jumpy. And she claims that it's because the uh, the nerves of all the crew and suggests to him to give them something to do to take their mind off it. Yeah. And in turn, he gives her busy work. Yeah. To prep for the evacuation. And that makes me think that he doesn't believe her explanation. Like he's but still... instead of calling her on bullshit, he's just going to try and give her some busy work to calm her nerves. It's kind of like after all these years, Imzadi and all that shit, he still kind of thinks that Betazoids are bullshit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like he doesn't believe in their powers. <laughs> like he's been faking it for years because he wanted to get in, get in there and just dig it out. And or maybe he's been like, this is the 15th time we've been sitting next to each other on the bridge during some tough shit. <laughs> Usually you're not like this. I don't think it's the crew. Yeah, maybe. Or whatever. But I, I did like that bit because it seems like he sees her through it but doesn't call her on it, but instead just gives her something It's nice Mojo Riker for sure. Yeah. Uh, Data's wrong twice about what the buttons on the panel do, but I guess he's right when it counts. <laughs> He's sort of right. I mean, he doesn't give... Like, I get it. Picard doesn't have a lot of options there. He's got to ask Data what the fucking buttons do. And yeah. uh, he, he he doesn't really have a choice. He's just got to hit the sequence that Data tells him. But Data straight up accidentally opened a portal. Yeah. And probably set it to that weird cycling mode. Yeah, because he had no idea what he was doing. And then just got himself electrocuted somehow. So And, by the way, stuck his arm through the portal. Real leap of faith. <laughs> Uh, hitting that uh, blue, amber, amber, red, blue, blue, blue sequence. Yeah. I liked the Maddox name check. Yeah, I, I almost uh, wanted to call it continuity. It just wasn't enough, but it was something. Uh, again, what is the transporter? Every week it's different. It's different every fucking week, and I don't understand how it's supposed to work. Picard can, like, move and deliver sassy answers during the transport cycle in this one. Yep, but then other times a fucking phaser can't even move. It just, like, stops in midair. You're like, yep. Ah, what is this? Uh, and then I thought this was Carolyn Seymour's second best Romulan performance. A- after Doroth. 
Torith is a meteor roll. A lot meteor. Yeah. There's a lot of good shit in that one about how the secret police took her fucking dad away and shit. Yeah. They give her stuff to do. There's we'll good. see how it holds up when we get to it. It's but, almost uh, like a weird Romulan bottle episode. It's kind of it, it is a weird <laughs> Romulan bottle episode. Like the most expensive bottle episode because I got to do yeah. uh, Romulan interior sets and they got to put Troy and Romulan makeup all the time. And yeah, they have the part outside where the the bulk, the blonde bowl cut dude comes back to Enterprise and all that shit. But like, really. Oh, is. man. Prince Valiant? Yeah. yeah, Prince Valiant comes home and calls him Commander Picard and shit. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. Ten yeah, 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 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is going to be, be good. exciting That's going to be real good. <clears throat> I gave Best Actor to Taurus and Worst Actor to Donald, Donald Varley. Didn't, you didn't believe in um, Picard's archaeology, buddy? <laughs> didn't believe he in didn't, the performance? He didn't sell it for me because he didn't have the mania of the kind of person it would take to make those decisions. <laughs> it's true. His decisions were way crazier than he seemed. Like, this dude straight up had the Tsiolkovsky virus or something and was drunk. Like, nothing makes sense about this. Now, if only that's what Star Trek Online had come up with. Farley? Yeah, oh, yeah, actually, he had Tsiolkovsky disease. Yeah, Tsiolkovsky <laughs> virus. And, uh, actually, someone just blew up the antimatter uh, pods on a lark. It was a drunk Shimoda. It was a full-on drunk Shimoda out yeah, there. So we, had a real, we had a real Shimoda situation in there. Uh, quickies. Give me them quickies. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they really overdo the lighting on the Enterprise bridge set. In this first scene with uh, Varley, the light coming from the view screen area, when they're showing their reactions to the view screen, was so bright on the actors that it was yeah, casting it was heavy shadows all over the bridge. This is before any of the explosions or anything. And Patrick Stewart couldn't help but squint the whole time. Well, so this is one of these episodes where if you uh, are watching the background instead of the action, you'll notice that the, all of the science uh, panels back there have black cardboard taped over them <laughs> because the uh, the glare yeah. was coming right off like you could see the lights in them. I don't know what they're doing out there sometimes. They're like, nope, more lights. We need more lights today. I, this is one of those shows where it's a different director every week, yeah. and I think not all of them handle lighting well. They need the lighting guy to be the same every week, but unfortunately one time he got into a fight with Christian Bale, and then they were over <laughs> right, professionally, exactly. and they were over, so that was a problem. Um... This guy thinks it would be premature to evacuate non-essential personnel from Yamato, even though an accident just killed 18 engineers. Right. Doesn't I, seem premature. I guess nothing will convince him then, <laughs> because I would be like, yeah, we probably should um, unload some of these people. Now, we have the benefit of hindsight, because he got basically zero warning on that explosion, and he probably thought he'd have a couple of minutes to think about it. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't work out to be a good decision, but also, like, what is when? What would have been bad enough that he would have thought about evacuating Look, people? Look, this is guy's Picard's friend, and I think when Picard writes this report, he's going to be pretty forward on discovered Iconia. Yes. A great of, hero who discovered Iconia. Like, probably pretty gentle on the string of bad decisions that led to the loss of that ship and crew. Look, dude, what is the Federation even? I wouldn't be surprised if Picard sent a report that said, uh, the Romulans blew up the Yamato, and we lost oh, yeah, a brave be. hero who discovered Iconia. The war criminal Taurus <laughs> blew up right. Yamato. <laughs> uh, let's see. Seems pretty clear the Romulans didn't blow Yamato up. We've covered that. Uh... I already know you recognize this lady. We've talked about her a million times. Um, it's wild that only Jordy thinks a design flaw is possible, despite all of the various design flaws they've already discovered in a year on this ship. Yeah. Like, the, so many things have just broken. Uh, and these dudes are like, 
on a galaxy class starship. It's like, hey, you remember like last week when the you guys brand had a big new problem? class of starship? Uh, we had We've no- certainly would have experienced any problems by now. Nothing could go wrong after a year. It's like if your car works fine for a year, it's going to work fine forever. Also, the car didn't work fine for a year. The Ford had so many problems. Uh, we had no Brian sighting. That's always cool. Um, is it technically a design flaw that the holodeck can make sentient yes, yes, yes. Is it a feature adversaries or a that could take yes, over the ship? I don't know. I'm not sure where I land on this. Everyone's surprised when it happens, so it doesn't seem like it was... Did, at least it wasn't heavily featured in the manual. No, they didn't. That wasn't in the, the fucking book. Uh, I had worst actor candidate, Spiner. That was not manual override. Yeah, that's not great. And I had best actor candidate, Picard. The probes? I launched the probes, but why? Like, <laughs> give me more, you broken down piece of metal trash. Yeah, it's true. Um... When Patrick Stewart gets to act like a person, yeah, it can be delightful. It can get pretty good out there. Uh, and next week is the Royale. <clears throat> so that's... Yeah, I know. Cool. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. All right. That's all I had. The foreign gentlemen, etc. <laughs> foreign investors. Three foreign investors. I saw the thumbnail and I went, ah, oh, god damn it. I knew it was coming up, but I didn't think it was that soon. Two more to go this week. Uh, Next up is Deep Space Nine, where we watched Playing God. A Trill initiate named Arjun is visiting Deep Space Nine, where Dax is going to be assessing him for joining. For the possibility of joining with a symbiont. Getting a worm in him. Uh, Apparently, though, Dax has got a bad reputation. Hmm. Uh, This is coming out of nowhere. 57 candidates in the last 200 years. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and by the way, he's, uh, he's having a little chat with Bashir. So I'm sure Bashir has told him some interesting shit. About Dax. You think he talked about sex Dax? Oh, I'm sure he talked about sex Dax. But he probably left out that sex Dax was a product of his imagination. I would hope he would leave that part out. It's not exactly a great way to introduce yourself. Yeah, he probably talked about a a crazy thing that happened one time. Funny story. About a year ago, I had (laughs) a very lucid dream about sex Dax and that she came to life. Yeah. Uh, They find Dax playing Tongo with the waiters in Quarks. Then the next day, when Arjun shows up at Dax's quarters, she's got a male guest leaving. Mm. But it turns out that it's her wrestling coach. But she definitely sexed that guy. She definitely fucked a wrestling coach. Yeah, it doesn't matter she what his job is. She fucked a wrestling coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in uh, one of the B-plots, O'Brien and Kira are hunting Cardassian voles. Exciting And stuff. Uh, we, see, we see this go on when Dax and Arjun arrive in ops, and then Dax stuns one. Then she takes this old boy through the wormhole. Yeah. But at this point, she knows that he's nervous about Dax, and she tries to reassure him about how Jadzia isn't like the other Daxes, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, they hit some kind of subspace pocket and get some kind of goo on the nacelle. Yeah, they get a gooey nacelle. Um, 
uh, O'Brien deafens Quark with a device meant to, I don't know, scare voles? Some kind of sonic yeah, device? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. He doesn't Ferengi's stay deaf even for the ears. rest of this episode. Yeah. He's got big ears because he's a Ferengi. Yeah. But anyway, the runabout comes back, but it's still got that seaweed on it. Some kind of subspace seaweed. That's what they flew through earlier. That so, could... you know, they quarantine that or whatever. They're going to study it tomorrow. Always tomorrow. Yep. Uh, Dax and Arjun go to a Klingon restaurant where the proprietor now plays the concertina. I'm just glad he's back. I don't I don't care. Um, and during her dinner and discussion, it seems like despite her protests, she's having reservations about this guy. Yep. He doesn't seem to know. She thinks he's doing it for the wrong reasons. Yes. Right. He's, he's living out his daddy's dream. My dad just wanted to get a worm in him no matter what. His dead dad's dream of being the high school quarterback or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not you, dad. I assume he says something like that. Uh, let's see. What I else don't happens in want this episode? your life. Go on. Sorry. Go on. Uh, Bashir sends O'Brien a flute as a joke. Mm, Dex and uh, Dex goes and plays chess with Cisco, an activity we have not seen them do previously. But I guess we're supposed to think that's regular. Okay. And they talk about Arjun and what her role is as his mentor and. Whether she's the old Dax or not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, they're going to have to take this seaweed back to the Gamma Quadrant. It seems like their plan is just to send it back there. Because it's a proto-universe. Yeah. And it's rapidly growing, and it's displacing their own universe. I guess if they get it to the Gamma Quadrant, it'll be fine? That's what they say. I I didn't follow it, but that's what they said. It's not understandable at all. No. Uh, No. But before they... Taking it back's dangerous, so the, their second plan is to try and just contain it in a force field and hope it'll self-destruct. Um, Arjun gets some uh, low-grade advice from Quark about life decisions, where it turns out Quark's life has not gone well. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, I had a situation just like that. And then he's like, yeah, now I, I hate my life, and I'm broke. And, yeah, and he's uh, like, how did, you, how did you turn it around? And he goes... Oh, I didn't. That's why I'm here. I live on Deep Space Nine. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, turns out they can't kill this universe because Dax uh, has discovered that there's life in there. No, but she's discovered that possibly there could maybe be life in there. And it might even be intelligent. That's what Who they the all fuck decide. Knows. Yeah. Uh, but the universe expands again and blows a big-ass hole in the station, and so... Now the lines are drawn, by which I mean Kira wants the universe destroyed and no one else does. Everyone's very mad at her about it, even Odo, who's her best friend. Yep. So Cisco gives himself an hour to decide what to do about this fucking thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's based somewhat on the schedule that it's this thing's growing, right? Yeah, it's gonna. it's got 90 minutes or whatever, so he's going to give himself one hour to think about it. Right. Uh, and then he goes to talk to Jake and discovers that he is in love with this Dabo girl. And I guess that is enough for him to make up his mind. Anyway, they're going to put this fucker on a runabout. Yep, they're just going to send it home. Back, send it home. So, uh, of course, it's going to be Dax and Arjun going back. Uh, it is kind of their problem to deal with. But also, let's not forget that Arjun is a level five pilot. Hell, Dax is only a level three, bro. Oh, dumb old Dax, only a level three. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's why they're sending this guy who is not a Starfleet officer. 
they fucking drift. They fucking drift it through the wormhole, just like in the episode Booby Trap. Yep. Where Picard gives it just a little bit of thruster to get it through there. We ain't seen that one and, yet, uh, right? Yeah, no, we haven't. And then I guess being back in the Gamma Quadrant makes it not a problem anymore. <laughs> because uh, the universe then we is fine all go over back there. to Deep Space Nine and say goodbye and talk about what it really means to be a trail. Yeah, Matt, what's yeah, this yeah, episode yeah, about? Yeah, 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 and yeah. by the way, I know I did a horrible job nope. describing it, but th- what can you do? I got the feeling that you actually didn't remember the episode because it's been so long. <laughs> So you, yeah. were, you were just kind of looking at it going, what, what happened next? Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, that can't make sense. Uh, well, you talked about it. It's about making those big life decisions for the right reasons. You, you, you got to have the right reasons. That's not a big score because that's not really anything and you don't need sci-fi for that. I gave that a three. Yeah, uh, this is one I sl- had to sleep on. Okay. Like I literally had to come back to it the next day. Yeah. So, neither blindly following your parents nor blindly rejecting them are satisfactory. You have to find your own path thoughtfully. Yeah, we're on the same intentionally we're on the same page. Yeah, it's not enough for Arjun to live his dad's dream, and Jadzia can't just be the opposite of Curzon. Yeah, her um, her worm daddy, spiritual daddy, her, her worm daddy, her worm daddy, her worm daddy. Uh, it's that's not sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, listen, this thing takes some sci-fi swings. They introduce an entire new universe. Sure, they do. Uh, but the the message here is not sci-fi. Now, having said that, it's a fine message. It's not much, but it's there's nothing wrong with it. I gave it four. Okay. Uh, ben also gave it a four. To thine own self be true. Yeah, I guess that's roughly where we are here. Yeah. Uh, what about Eximecutions? Uh, this episode is a filmmaking disaster. <laughs> it's 90% Dax. Like, every scene has Dax in it. Who we all know is the best actor on the show, so that's who you want to really pilot this thing. Except for the two minutes in the middle where it's about Cisco's tough universe decision. Yep. And he does a captain's log and checks in with Jake. <laughs> hey, Jake, what are you up to? Ah, oh, you're dating now? Ah, oh, boy. Lifestyle. The whole Vols arc yeah. is for comedy in an episode where Kira is advocating destroying an entire universe and saying it would be like stepping on ants. Yes. And then Arjun's plot wraps up super quick. He literally tells Dax, I know what I have to do. But he doesn't tell us what he has to do. <laughs> we don't know. The writers we don't know what his out. decisions are. The writers we just see him at the fucking airlock saying to Dax, I know what I have to do now. The, the writers were quite puzzled. They couldn't write themselves out of it. Oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> Fucking spend, a, spend an extra ten minutes on this. Yeah. That would be good. I gave it three points for execution. You know, you the way you talked about it, it sounded like it would be less. I actually only gave it two. Oh, I see. Yeah. When you hear from Arjun that his dad wanted him to be joined, and that's why he's going to do it, you expect the episode to go one of two ways. One. He discovers that he'd rather pursue his passions, and after impressing Dax enough to win her recommendation, he declines to be joined, and she's proud of him. Two, he discovers through his trial with Dax that he really does have a passion for this, and even though Dax can't recommend him, we're left with the assumption that he's going to fight hard and come back next time like Dax had to. Right. Neither of these happens, and in fact, nothing happens. No. 
<laughs> they raise this issue as if it's going to be a big plot point, and then they never really worry about how it resolves, and he just goes on with his shit, and maybe he's recommended to be an initiate. Who knows? Lame. It's super lame. This episode sure gets lost, huh? And this B-plot, as you said, is the voles. dumb as hell. Well, I'm talking about the universe B-plot. Oh, the universe B-plot. Okay. They just decide that there is definitely a whole civilization in there that they need to save, because Dax says it's theoretically possible. And they spend the rest of the episode operating under the assumption that it is 100% true, and that is what they have to do. They have to save the civilizations within this universe that she says hypothetically could maybe exist. They move forward the rest of the episode as if that is exactly what is at stake. And they talk about uh, fucking wiping out entire civilizations. Why stop there? If it's a whole dang universe, why not decide there are millions of separate civilizations in there? It's wild, the assumptions they make. Yeah, she's getting some sensor reading she doesn't understand, so, you know, that's probably life. Yeah. She's like, and not only that, sentient, civilization. They got a whole civilization. They got art and music, and they made a spaceship, probably. There's probably a spaceship in there. It definitely was a mess. It was a, it was a, a big fat two for me. Well, Ben gave it as many as five. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I, I guess he likes that uh, Dax is figuring out some stuff about herself right alongside that initiate. Yes. That's true. I mean, she is. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah. What do you got for world building? How they do world building wise? Quarks is on level 7, section 5. Yeah. 5,000 qualify each year for a symbiont, but only 300 symbionts. Is the sy- yeah, symbionts are available, not hosts. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of how competitive it is. Um, it is. What it doesn't give you an idea of is how many joined trill there are. Yes. We know that the turnover rate is 300 a year, and there are some estimates we could do to figure out how many there are total. How but did it the still trills... seems like this should be something Dax has to do more often. Well, listen, she refused 57 people in, two, in the last 200 years. Yeah. This shouldn't be the first time we've seen this procedure. Also, we've still not gotten anywhere near enough about how trills work, because, like, how do more trill worms come to exist? Do they mate? How does this work? Yeah, it's a how good question. They, how them babies grow up? Not sure if we've ever talked about Tongo, but they were playing Tongo. Um, uh, we've seen her play Tongo before in okay. the episode with the lady waiter. Uh, you remember yeah, that great, great the, episode? The Shakespearean episode. The one that was yeah, yeah, as yeah, good yeah, as yeah. Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> Voles were introduced to the station either purposely or accidentally when the Cardis were still running things. It's not clear why. Self-exiled Romulan composer Franchot. He sounds French. That's right. Not wrong. He does. Subspace interface pocket, subspace seaweed. I've been waiting for that Klingon restaurant owner to come back for a hell of a long time. I'm glad to see him out there. Uh, we learn a little bit about, about what the joining means to some trill, including this dude's dad. Uh, even Dax agrees that arrogance is a common trait among the trill. Roto Universe was just hanging out in their science lab. Uh, some possible insane time scaling within that universe, but again, that's like just some random shit that she comes up with, where she's like, "Who knows? Maybe every minute here is like ten thousand years there." 
It's not based yeah. on anything. It's just like, what, would that be cool? Yeah, is life art or is art life? <laughs> we all know that. The things she says in this episode are fucking wild. Um, the district sub Nagus. Yes, gives you some idea about some of the local Nagus government. Um, rule of acquisition one twelve about banging the boss's sister. Yeah, I just have that under characterization that Quark is yucky. <laughs> yeah, well, that's always true. Uh, the transporter doesn't have any issues with something as dense as an entire universe, apparently. It just transports that the whole thing around. Um, yep. Verderon nodes look pretty solid in the computer graphics, but uh, aren't, I guess? Because you can fly through them? Because uh, you keep passing. They've, been, they've passed through like 15 of them bitches so far. Yeah. Doesn't seem like they'd be that hard to miss. I want to give a four for more Trill stuff, but I don't get the feeling we actually learned that much about Trill stuff. Um, some of the initiate process, but that's really it. I, I give it a three again. Uh, I am with you. Let's see if there is anything you didn't mention in my notes. Runabouts are 14 meters wide. That's true. I did not have that. Yeah. Uh, Trill initiates undergo flight training. Who cares? Man, so that cockpit must be by far the little narrow part of that ship if they're 14 yeah. meters wide. Because that yeah, cockpit yeah. is not anywhere near 14 meters wide. No, it looks like it might be three meters wide. Yeah. But I guess that counts uh, from the cell to the cell, so those are way out on the side. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's not. You know, I mean, if you got a bunch of those hanging out on the station, those those uh, docking bays must be pretty big. That's like forty-five feet. That's um, it's like a small fighter. Yeah, I guess, but not. I mean, if you knock the wings off a fighter, it wouldn't be right. Well, I guess the nacelles are the wings in this case. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, characterization. Uh, Quark is yucky and fails to land a line with O'Brien and Ops for the first time. He does a big laugh about Kira or something. Uh, and that scene did not work for me at all. Yeah. Uh, Dax is indecisive, a character trait of hers that did not need emphasizing. Right. Uh, Cisco does a captain's log about the Borg, but it's not clear what goes into his decision making at all. But he's like, thinking about Jake, I think. Yeah, I think so. But he never says anything out loud. Yeah. I only gave it three points for characterization this week. All right. I didn't think it did a great job. What about you? Uh, Quark always gives that weird apology gesture where he kind of curls up his fingers and puts his palms under his face. You know that thing? Yeah. That's a thing he does. Um, he shouts female at Dax as an insult. Oh, was it him or one of the waiters? I wasn't I, sure who shouted it. I thought it was him. Um, Quark and probably other Ferengi are susceptible to sonic warfare big time. Um, Quark slept with the district sub his sister. Uh, Dax is always palling around the gamblers. Is Dax fucking a final fight villain? <laughs> I saw that dude come out. I was like, oh, I know yeah, that guy. Yeah. I've seen him on yeah, the subway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not one of the... Uh, she's fucking 2P. Not one of the Andorras, but no. yes, 2P. <laughs> she's, fucking, she's fucking 2P in there. Uh, hmm. It always takes her longer to get ready as a female. I bet a woman, yeah, that sucks. I bet a woman wrote it. Yeah, that sucks, for sure. Yeah. Um, she's the cool boss who doesn't want to be called ma'am or lieutenant. But Curzon, he was a real ball buster, along with all the other great things we already know about Curzon. Yeah, like when he was fucking that general's wife. <laughs> yep. Caused a lot of problems on that planet. 
He did. He really, really wrecked up the place. <laughs> Hell, Cisco called him an. Uh, he called him abusive in his own charming way. Right. Yeah. That's very. There's a lot of charming ways to be abusive. I find. Yeah. Hey, Cisco. Maybe stop lionizing this guy. Yeah. And writers. Sounds like he was kind of shitty. Writers as well. Uh, this episode is going crazy, trying to show us Dax's personality, which was invented solely for this episode. Yeah, I don't really give much credit to shit like, oh, she's a collector of rare composers. Yeah. Buddy, we know she wants to fuck Morn. That's right. I don't need to know anything else. That's it. That's the one right there. Dax introduces O'Brien as chief engineer. I thought he was chief operations officer, but maybe he's both? I, this station is woefully understaffed. He's just got to wear multiple hats, I guess. Like... It was a shitty level of staffing before the wormhole was discovered 15 minutes into the show. Yeah. But, like, get a full captain out there and, like, a bunch of staff and maybe keep a couple of ships nearby. There's a whole fucking quadrant on the other side of that thing. Yeah, maybe start turning that thing into an outpost of some Maybe kind. treat it seriously. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, take it a little seriously. Although I, I do understand them not wanting to risk more ships in that particular part of space where every kind of space phenomenon <laughs> Oh, yeah, it sucks there for through. sure. <laughs> yeah. The whole Denorius belt is shitty. It's garbage. It's really, don't go near that place. Uh, Kira has got lots of angry jokes at Quark's expense, which I guess shows she's the only reasonable person on board. That's Um, right. But then you're right, she does play the role. I wish she would just say, why do we act like this guy's funny? (laughs) That's right. You know this guy's a sex trafficker, right? Like, we're all aware of this. You know he makes every Dabo girl have sex with him, right? It's you guys the, all know that? It's in the contract. Everybody Cisco's knows the contract. that, huh? Cisco saw the contract. Oh, you guys all know that. <laughs> yeah, she never gets outraged enough. Oh, no, he's cute, though. <laughs> be great if she finally got the right amount of outrage in one of these episodes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, then she plays the role of Worf in this one, insisting they kill the proto-universe. Yep. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to point out that someday Gullivec will qualify for characterization on this show. Yeah, they didn't even say his name. Uh, it's not even clear that it's meant to be Gullivec in this one, is. but it's Gullivec. It's Gullivec, so, yes. and he will qualify on this show for characterization. Um, Cisco authorizes the death of all Vols. He's also worried about killing these proto-universe civilizations, which definitely exist. Right. And he doesn't have a heart attack when Jake reveals that he's been statutorily raped. <laughs> I assume the Dabo girl is much older than Jake. And Jake, I think, is like 14, right? I love the idea of Odo bringing in Marta the Dabo girl for statch. Because <laughs> Cisco gave him a tip. He wants to press charges. <clears throat> Odo is uncharacteristically angry at Kira for suggesting they kill off that universe to save their own. And then again, well, as a life form that probably for the first who knows how long was not even recognized as being alive, he might have some feelings about that. Yeah, but since I've he had to turn into two beakers in order to demonstrate <laughs> that he was sentient, I assume he's just so boned out for Kira all the time that he's like, oh yeah, not gonna, yeah, 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 not gonna yeah, call yeah. her out in front. That's of still deep subtext, though. At this point, yes, and then it's barely come up at all. Jake is how old? How old is Jake? Do I have to look this up? Like, how old is Jake? Uh, I feel like he's 12 in Emissary, so he could be at most 14 now. Do you see what I'm fucking saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Statch, for sure. There ain't no Dabo girls that are 14, unless Fork is doing some real nasty uh, well, shit. Well, if, if so, then he's going down he's for it. He's doing some real nasty shit. 
All right, hold on. Memory Alpha seems to indicate he's born. If they're 14, I just make them give me Umox. In 2355. Okay, that's what a memory alpha has, so that must be pointed out at some point based on its age in the show. Okay. 2355. Yeah. So this uh, t- episode... Let's see. Hold on. What was the name of this one? starts in 2364. Playing God. And then plus 5 would be 69, and then plus another 2... So who could he be as much as 16 in this episode? I'm, I'm, I'm checking it out. That's insane. Playing God uh, is season 2. 2370. Okay, so 15 they're saying. He is either 14 or 15, depending, <laughs> 14 on, or 15, what depending on what time of year this is. Yeah, exactly. And when he was born. So yeah, I feel like he's definitely been raped. So Okay. That's the thing now right. in Star Trek, Jake got raped. It's not clear that they did a sex. I'm I'm pretty clear on it. But she's a Davo girl. Yeah, who do you, they don't have got classy girls down there. You know what they're she, like. He she probably had half her boobs out when he met her. So uh, under boobs. I don't know. Maybe, you know they like the under boobs. Oh, it's the under half for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know maybe she doesn't like to take her work home with her though. Mm, maybe she likes to take Jake home with her. Uh, I gave it a four. Four in character. In characterization? Oh my god. <laughs> Forgot we were still doing that. <laughs> no, I went. I went kind of a long one on that one. Are you guessing you don't have a ton of quick hitters then? Uh, should we talk about what did Ben have? Uh, ben is a three on world building. Mentioned the pilot for levels, proto universes, inverteron nodes, etc., and a four on characterization. And he kind of likes Jadzia Dax in the, for the first uh, few minutes when she's fucking one. the final fight guy. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got some quick hitters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, good. I was really waiting for a Dax episode. That's obviously sarcasm. Um, yeah, yeah. A bartender Dax has known for 100 years introduced her to Black Holes, a Ferenki drink. What bartender that we know of has lived for at least 100 years? <laughs> I wonder if they were doing something there. Do you think? <clears throat> this vole hunt indicates that we are still very much in filler season. Right? Oh yeah! As soon as the voles show up, I go, "Oh, okay." Nothing's I actually happening think they're trying week. to do slice of life shit here, Ugh. based on some comments that I read on Memory Alpha. But like, dumb. Yeah. No stakes in this episode. This is that's a sub news radio plot that that would not make news radio B plot level. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that guy pulled a "You better take a look at this" from two feet to Dax's left in the runabout cockpit. Yeah, that sucked. I don't know. Is that better or worse? I can't even figure it out, but it's impressive. Uh, my candidate for worst actor has to be Dax once again. Her laugh and face when that Klingon says, She's mine! was embarrassing to watch. Yeah. The actor did not do a good job there. Um, how does she not know why Curzon wanted her to have the symbiont? Yeah, what's a trail? What what memories of his still remain? She's she goes. I don't know. Maybe I'll never know. And you're like, what? what? No, <laughs> no, because now I don't understand how any of this works. I thought right. you remembered the stuff he remembered. Did he just uh, forget? It is for sure the case that in the host, when Riker gets that damn worm in him, yeah, he is the same person. Yes, right. Like they do a whole thing where he's talking to Crusher. 
about how he's the same person. I'm still and then Odin. when that other troll comes along, same thing again. I'm still Odin. Yeah. I'm still Odin. Even though now I'm a I'm a blonde Odin. Right. And I'm a lady. And we have a chance to explore something, but oh episode's over. Um No, I mean, you're not you're not giving the episode full credit. There's enough time there for Beverly to say no homo. She absolutely does. She rejects it entirely. Uh, and finally, yeah, their great plan is to throw it over the fence and let the Gamma Quadrant deal with it, with this Burrow universe. Yeah. That is expanding and displacing their universe. They say, throw it over the fence. Ah, but if they jam it back into subspace, <laughs> which they do not show us doing, no. show how that would work, maybe it'll just be fine there? It's just hor- destroy subspace instead? It's so horrible. Everything about the plot's so horrible. That's all I had. Man, I bet if someone shouted female at a woman walking away, she would not take it well. Probably that not. did not age well. No. No. Just like, yeah, just like when Cisco says that he was abusive in a charming way. It doesn't, doesn't age well. Uh, is that Gullivec? You already answered that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, the runabout moves away at 50 kph. Ooh. That's 30 miles an hour. <laughs> what are we doing? That's going to take a long time. 50? Get where you're going. Man. Well, in that case, they're moving at several proto-universes. Per, uh, I bet on his man. best day, Usain Bolt can hit 50 kph. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, you know. Like, this fucking runabout goes at the speed of horse. Uh, I thought I didn't have anything else. Right. I gave best actor to uh, Cisco in the one Jake scene, usually where he shines. Yep, he's got uh, uh, dad issues. Worst actor should belong to Dax, but Quark's, Quark really flubbed one in Ops. I oh should have boy. taken a sound clip. It just didn't. He just really missed one. That's rare. Yeah, I wonder if you're gonna. It is rare. He's uh, Armin Shimmerman is usually solid in this show. I wonder if that'll have any impact on the actor rankings in 14 episodes or whatever. I uh, will have to see. Frankly, there haven't been that many good Quark moments in the last several. That's true. Episodes, so. I don't know. You know they go buck wild with the Ferengi later on, so... We'll oh, yeah, see. there's like uh, eight fully Ferengi-focused episodes every year after, like, season four. Which is great. They go in two directions. There's a dark war story. Yep. And also, oh, yeah. Ferengi. Well, they decide that anything that's not in the dark war story yeah, it's arc... I love Lucy, but recast with Quark and Rom. Exactly correct. They're like, well, we need some levity, because we're doing six if, war episodes in a row. What if Quark do Ferengi. and Rom were working at a chocolate factory, and they couldn't <laughs> keep up with the output? <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to get really great. It's going to get great. All right. Well, we watched uh, another one, right? Only one more to go this week. It's uh, last week's winner was uh, the original series with the Doomsday Machine. This week we watched Cat's Paw. Can I just say this? Uh, for this episode, this singing makes sense. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Alright, Enterprise is attempting to contact the away team on some dumb old planet when one of the nobody red shirts asks to be beamed up. Upon materialization in the transporter room, he up and croaks. With Scotty and Sulu still missing on the planet, Kirk decides the uh, the whole senior staff should go down there <laughs> and investigate, leaving the assistant chief engineer in charge. That's a wild call. 
on the planet, Kirk sees some goth-ass witches. Scary wind and lightning and even a haunted mansion. They they go inside it and they see a black cat. Following it, they come to what looks like, uh, I don't know, some kind of throne room where they meet a bald alien wizard who's surprised Kirk isn't, like, going crazy over his great magic tricks. <laughs> there are 50 clues that the cat is also an alien and eventually it turns into <laughs> a lady. <laughs> The away team is imprisoned, and they come face-to-face -face with Zombie Sulu and Zombie Scotty, who are under wizard control. McCoy is brought into the wizard room and returns a zombie, too. Kirk goes up there and pulls some James Bond shit on this lady, but I guess she can, like, read his thoughts and figures out he's trying to sex her into oblivion. That's the only time it doesn't work. Yeah, she gets angry and puts the voodoo doll version of the Enterprise over a flame, and boy, it gets really hot on Enterprise. And Kirk pulls her toy away from the flame, and then the ship returns to normal. Uh, later, they put the Enterprise in what looks like a lucite block, and the ship is then caught in a magical force field. Anyway. Yep. These guys turn out to be aliens from, like, another, I don't know, dimension or something, and they're reading the crew's racial memories? Racial right. memories. To find out what scares them. But the lady has a screw loose and wants to conquer everybody, and the bald guy tries to help everyone escape, but then they gotta run from the witch who becomes a giant black cat, fills up the whole room black cat. But not a panther, nope. just a giant house cat. Still a house cat. And eventually Kirk gets a hold of her tra transmuter, and he smashes it. And then everything returns to normal, except for the dead guy from the beginning. He's still dead. He is very dead. And the aliens are revealed in their true Muppet form. Uh, then they die. And I don't... Who gives a shit? What is this? What is this episode? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This was magical. To, I was having oh. so much fun watching this. Oh, boy. Uh, so, first of all, I cannot believe how thin your description of what happened just, in this I episode just, was. What, I mean, it was a Halloween special. What am I supposed to do? No, no. It really was. No. It literally oh, was a Halloween special at Airbnb. I know, Halloween. because I went, what was this? A Halloween? Oh, actually, Marjan and I were watching it together, and we often talk about... Okay, so we just started watching Perfect Strangers and Hanging with Mr. Cooper on Hulu. And right. I told her, oh, you better get ready. There's going to be a, there's probably going to be a Halloween episode. Right. There might be a Thanksgiving episode, but there's definitely going to be a Christmas episode. Shit that makes no sense and ruins the flow yeah. of the episodes when you're watching them in a sequence, right? So Marjan and I were watching this together and she goes, what was this, a Halloween episode? So I looked it up and yeah, it aired it on like yeah, October 27th or episode. something. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. You tell me what this fucking thing was. <laughs> Boy, um... Uh, here's what I wrote, but I warn you that it's still my cynical take. Okay. Don't be that guy. You know that guy who gets way too into whatever place he's visiting and starts affecting mannerisms and also killing people for sport? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing with this bitch is that uh, whatever dimension or universe these people come from, they don't have physical form mm -hmm. like humans, and she's into it. Which I presume means she found her fun button. At yeah, some oh yes, she's been working away at that thing. And Korob has not figured that out yet. No, his doesn't work the same way, it's tricky. Yeah, he's, I don't know. <laughs> he hasn't figured out the right sequence of things to look at to activate his unit or whatever. <laughs> right. To activate his transmuter. So, she's just like, she's so into this place that she wants to stay here forever and also take over though. Also take over. Thing. Yeah. Also yeah. take over and rule with Kirk because Korob's a wet blanket. Yeah. And Kirk, and Kirk knows about kissing. Kirk definitely knows how to use his transmuter. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, but that's not a take. I gave it zero points. I mean, it's a no take. It's this absolutely. A no take it's, it's, it's a no take. <laughs> it's a no take. It's zero goddamn points. I cannot disagree. What I had was um, fear is just like a weird racial memory. That can't be the take. And I think, isn't that what Winston Churchill said? <laughs> was it yes. Somebody said something like that. Winston Churchill talked a lot about racial memories. Um, yeah, it's By a the zero. Way, it's for sure a zero. Was anybody was anybody writing this show involved in early Scientology? Mm. Because this seems like a Scientology belief, the thing you just said. That fear's a weird racial memory. <laughs> yeah, the fear fear is just the result of those alien prisoners that were thrown <laughs> into that volcano and killed. That's right. All those years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I don't know if Scientology really existed in nineteen sixty six, so I Maybe L. Ron Hubbard watched Cat's Paw. And that gave him some good ideas. It. He had all the good ideas after that. Does he, Do you know, does he ever write if Xenu was made out of, like, pipe cleaners and blue felt? <laughs> Those aliens were so sad at the end. Also, I love, like, uh, there we have no form like this in our universe. And then they're just, like, they're weird little, little birds. Ones, and yeah. you're like, um... It still seems like a physical form. I mean, that's a physical... That's definitely... You have a specific physical form. It's not like how uh, last week in the Dauphin... Uh, she becomes name? a weird... The main lady turns into light. shimmering lights. Yeah. yeah. Not like that. Nope. Uh, uh, hold on. Ben, ben his, his take was... any. T- as I started to read this earlier, any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic... Also weird shit in space he gave it to. No, they know it's not magic. Yeah, they know right they away. They know right away it's they not know. Ma- As usual, they're like, where's his machine? <laughs> yeah. He's got to have a machine. Kirk has- Can we shoot a mirror? <laughs> Kirk's hypothetical situation is, uh, as always, 100% correct. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what's up. <laughs> no, it's fun. in fucking Star Trek, there's no magic. These dudes are like, where's his power source? Where's his machine? I bet it's behind is a mirror. Is there anything I can shoot or convince to self-destruct? Yeah. Uh, what do you even want me to say about execution on this trash? Um, oh, sorry. Did you give it zero points also? Oh, I haven't. I, I sort of enjoyed some of the performances. No, no, no. For your take. Oh, yeah. It was zero. Okay. All right. It was zero. Good. Uh, I, I liked the assistant chief engineer, but everything else about this episode. Oh, I did not like oh, him. Oh, you didn't like that guy? I liked that guy. I liked that he. No, that guy was so. Uh, like. That guy was a parody of a military officer. I like that he, uh, he... That guy was major pain. He told Chekhov what he was good and bad at, and it made Chekhov sad. I like yeah. that. Um, but everything else about this episode ate a fat one. It was NBC's Halloween special. Um, it's one point. It's a one point of execution. Ah, uh, well. Uh, now you do know my rule. A zero has to follow a zero. <laughs> a zero follows a zero. There's, there's no two ways about it. But here's right. what I will say. More questions than answers here, also. Hmm. It's a bad episode, regardless of not having a take. Why is it important for Korob to tell Kirk that the Enterprise would have broken the force field anyway if Korob hadn't released them? I, I, it's not. It doesn't end up. I don't know. Like, he's like, I have released them from the force field, though they would have broken out sooner or later. Like, well, fucking who cares? <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks. I guess for we can then. feel good about uh, everything that. Kyle and uh, assistant chief maybe. engineer, whatever the DeSoto. No, sorry, DeSoto. The DeSoto and Chekhov have been doing up there. Wait, but th- like, is it DeSoto? I thought it was DeSalle. I wasn't paying attention. DeSalle. I don't know. You could also have just not shown them. It is DeSalle. Okay. 
uh, like, oh, so none of that was meaningful because Korob just released them? Yeah. 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 Are they so alien that they have no sensation, or are they just pipe cleaner birds? What are we supposed to learn from this? That's the big problem. Yeah. This is a nothing. It's just a fucking nothing of an episode. It was what dumpster. Trash. Uh, ben has one as a one here saying that there's some epically bad effects, bad stunts. <laughs> yep. Even the writing is very, very bad. Yes. Not even the writing. It starts with the writing. Yes. It's, Someone greenlit well, this concept. It doesn't start with the writing or it doesn't start with the network note that they have to have a Halloween episode. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Maybe. But in season two? Yeah. They didn't give them that note in season one? Nope. That was new for season two. From now like on, they have you guys to, have to do one News holiday. Radio has to do a wedding episode. Yeah, they, did, they were doing three funerals NBC's and doing a wedding. All, yeah, three funerals and a wedding. And so oh, they, it was a funeral and they did the rat funeral? They got a funeral and they did a rat funeral because they didn't want to comply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, all right. All right. So you didn't like it, but... Yeah, we got through that top half very quick because this episode's not about anything. How about some sweet world building, though? I'm sure we learned a lot. All right. Here, there's a couple of things. Okay. The Enterprise can make gemstones, and gemstones have no value. <laughs> they straight laugh at this guy when he gives them big plates of jewels. The racial memories are not serving this guy at all, by the way. He scatters some shit around like it's in Skyrim, and you're like, I, I got all these perfect sapphires, but I can't do anything. I don't anything pick up anything do that's worth less anything. than 1,200 gold anymore, okay? Yeah. I don't have time for it. So you just fucking dump them on your table in your homestead? <laughs> you throw them all over one of your uh, like house carls? You just go, yeah. yeah, take this and get a fucking sandwich. <laughs> get out of here with this perfect diamond. What you the take fuck a shower you while you're at it, you're fucking trash. <laughs> I like to throw gems at the characters in Skyrim. Um, anyway, so we learn a little bit about that piece of the economy. Also, of course, racial or subconscious memories. <laughs> yep. But the problem with those... They don't apparently mean anything. Is that it doesn't make any sense. They serve this guy not at all. He is really convinced this is his path to understanding them, and it doesn't work. So here's the deal. They're in this high gothic castle, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. They've seen the witches from Macbeth, and they've seen a black cat. And Spock's like, someone is tapping into your racial memory. <laughs> why is Kirk, and why, why is the crew's racial memory... Of the 1800s. I'm not familiar with the concept. Maybe all racial memories are from the 1800s. What would your racial memories have been like in the 1300s? Also of the 1800s? (laughs) Of the 1800s. It's uh, it's a racial memory. It's wild. Again, the the guy is perplexed the entire time that they don't seem impressed by his tricks. Yeah. He's like, like, what is going on? These racial memories have never failed me before. I expected we were going to be doing another Trelane, and these guys were like, ah, we fucked it. We fucked it. Earth's like 400 years away, and we're looking at some old shit. Yeah. But apparently that's not what it is. It's something much stupider. So I guess that's a world-building concept, but it's very dumb and bad. I gave it a two. Uh, I got, let's see, they beamed down the whole senior staff, so the assistant chief engineer is now in charge. Um, so that's, I guess, what the chain of command looks like on Enterprise. Uh, I think at one point somebody said, on Asmet 24, at just over 100 yards, there appear to be life forms. I didn't know what yeah. any of that meant. Yeah, that's a fun way of maybe maybe of saying azimuth. <laughs> I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> uh, sympathetic magic. That's that voodoo shit. Yeah. 
I mean, I gave it a two, but I could be convinced it's a one. <laughs> it's very bad. It's not. There's not. There's not a lot. There's not a lot this, in there. This episode is real trash. Yeah, it's just such trash. But maybe, um, you know, characterization often scores fairly well in yeah. uh, in TOS. So, so maybe maybe it turned around there. Where were you on characterization? Chekhov's wig is crazier than ever. <laughs> Chekhov's wig was. Uh, I just wanted to. I just. I want to. I want to see a whole episode of him in that wig. I want him in the a plot. Well, this is the only episode where he's wearing a wig. It was. Um, why would they have him wear that? This is the first one they filmed. It was before his hair grew long enough. Oh, this was the first one they filmed for season two? This was two? his first shot, um, his first episode of the of the season. Horrible. And then they aired it at Halloween. It, it um, looked like one of the monkeys. They knew the episode sucked, right? And then also it was a Halloween episode. It looked like one of the monkeys had a transporter accident and merged with a caveman. <laughs> it looked it fucking terrible. He did look like Davy Jones's Neanderthal cousin. Uh... Kirk saying to McCoy, quiet, was, it reminded me of when Alec Baldwin said that to his kid on the Adam Carolla show, and then they played that soundbite forever, <laughs> of Alec Baldwin telling his kid, quiet! <laughs> um, must have been after I stopped listening. Yeah. Uh, Kirk always has a judo chop locked and loaded. Oh, yeah. Ready to go. Uh, I loved, uh, I loved his, these men mean nothing to us, smirk. Um... Kirk believes a woman should have compassion. Yeah, Kirk's real heteronormative in this one, huh? And again, he was like James Bond level with that, uh, using sex as a weapon, as he always does. Except it usually works. Well, this lady could mind read, so she, it still almost worked. She was into it. Then she yeah. did a little bit of mind reading and went, oh! This is a trick! Uh, something else for Chekhov to do. Feel like the new boss doesn't value his skills. Remember the guy's like, you yeah. want me to show you how to do it? <laughs> And then he gets, he gets so he sad. Bought her. I can do it. I know how to do it. I know how to do. I'm not that green. <laughs> it was like, why did we need to see this? Uh, McCoy feels inadequate about not knowing what trick or treat means. Yeah, I just kept coming up. Um, Spock talks a lot about racial memories. <laughs> Kirk seemed average <laughs> this is my takeaway I'll give it a four five, four or five I mean it's pretty average in terms of characterization four let's so, say. But, but which one are you let's giving say four it? okay this episode doesn't deserve points uh, I also gave it four um of course when Kirk fails to seduce a woman he's immediately angry yeah you stupid bitch <laughs> he is mad at her about it yeah uh, I was also bummed out that they made Sulu do a karate. Yeah. I didn't love that. Yeah. Um, we can agree, right? S- S- Sylvia talks about the many roads to take control of a man's mind. Uh-huh. And then um, she asks uh, McCoy to stay behind. We know what road she took to his mind, oh, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> because he, when she was saying that, he was visibly checking her out. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that was in the script or if D Kelly was feeling it <laughs> or what the performance was just really working for him. Yeah. But, well, uh, we know he, uh, that tracks for me. He's pretty desperate. We know he's a horn dog. We know he's desperate because he usually has to resort to telling ladies to change in front of him. 
That's true. I won't look. And I'm a doctor. Don't worry about it. I won't it. look, and I'm a doctor, but I'm definitely going to look. I've seen it all. I'm going to see Sometimes it. willingly. I'm going to see it again. I'll see it in a minute. Show um, me your hiney. <laughs> and I thought DeSalle was pretty wooden up there, and uh, Chekhov just made me sad. It was very sad. <laughs> it's a very sad I encounter. It. This is Chekhov's first day on the job, and he's almost in tears telling the guy he's not that <laughs> and green. And his wig looks like shit. Poor guy. His, his, wig, is, his wig sucks. <laughs> I want, I want to believe that Chekhov the character is wearing a wig and that he knows it sucks. And that's just the way his day started. Like, he left his quarters, he didn't have time to fix it, he was trying to fix it, and he just had to rush out. And he's like, everyone's going to be looking at me all day, my hair looks like shit. And then he gets to the bridge and the, this fucking douche is in charge and he's like, do you need me to show you how to, like, do your shit? Do you know how, to, do you know how to, any of this fucking works? And do you che- know anything? Chekhov's going to go home and he's going to call his mom and he's going to be like, I had the worst first day of work. Um, yeah, so it's a four for me, and, uh, Ben, Ben has it at a two. <laughs> Telekinesis from Kirk. Yes. Kirk does mispronounce it. Yep. Uh, DeSalle's really going for it, like he can earn a place on the permanent crew. Yeah, he was trying. Really, really bad martial arts from Sulu, so many of the same points. Yeah. Well, you got some quick hitters, I'm sure. Uh. In this fucking feast fest. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, no captain's log to open this one. Okay. Uh, again, seems like this would have been a really good time to leave Spock up on the ship, rather than some assistant chief engineer. Yeah, but then who would have told him about all the racial memory stuff? It was very important. That's a good point. We didn't need Spock out, there for that. He was very important. Uh, Kirk's little embroidered patch is coming off. Like, his little arrowhead is coming off his uniform in this one. Somebody needs to be more careful when they're washing his shit. They spend the first 20 minutes of this episode breathing in a lot of studio fog. That can't be good for you, right? Uh, did they all get cancer eventually? Um, we know, well, we know like, did they all, Yeah, getting. did D. Kelly and um, James Doohan die of lung cancer? Yeah. The others are still alive, right? Well, Nimoy's not. Oh, Nimoy's dead. He went, he went last year or the year before. He died last year or something. Yeah. He made it to pretty old, though. Yeah, he got crazy old. Uh, first I wrote, this cat is played by at least two cats. And then I wrote, is this a third black cat? Because there was like a little fluffy one, and then there was kind of a fat, chunky one right. for the body shots that where it was running around. And then I think there was a third one later on. Well, there's an action cat, right? They use him for the action scenes. And then there's one they specifically used when they were blowing him up, right? To make him huge in the corridor. And you're right, yeah. there was a fluffy one to really draw draw the audience in uh, for cat stuff. I mean, I get it. She can look like whatever she wants, but, like, I don't think that was intentional. Because then they wouldn't have all been black cats. It doesn't seem necessary to have more than one. Yeah. Uh, I thought Kirk gave a pretty good whatever-you-say smirk before they sit down to Thanksgiving dinner. Like, when the guy <laughs> insists. Yeah. Uh, and the, I think Kirk did a pretty good, all right, we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, Spock's got like a little clock in his noggin. He knows how many minutes and seconds things are. Yeah, he's like data or whatever. Yeah, that's weird. That's not something you can logic out. I don't love it a lot. Yeah. Do you think those little birdmen used that big old wand? Or did the transmuter change its shape too? Yeah, like you use the transmuter to change the transmuter or something. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like they would have been able to manipulate that thing. Honestly, when he broke the transmuter, they weren't able to do anything but die, so I don't know what their capabilities were. 
Yeah. Maybe because they shouldn't be in this universe at all. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's all I wrote down. I mean, I wrote a ton in the fucking description, but I was <laughs> mad. I was mad the whole time, so. <laughs> Is it just me, or was the lighting much darker in this episode? Was that part of the Halloween feel, or they just hadn't figured out the lighting yet for the season? Something like that. When it's, oh, when it's all lit by Jack-O-Lantern, it does tend <laughs> to get dark. That stuntman beefed it pretty hard on the transporter pad. Oh, yeah. The guy he went for it. Who fell down dead. He hit it like uh, like Pullman on that desert planet in Spaceballs. Spaceballs reference number three. I mean, that sweetened in Foley, but yeah, that was that's a good hit when the guy falls down face first into the sand. <sighs> oh, no. A for real space curse. Uh, Marjan <laughs> giggled through this entire scene with the cackling witches. Yeah, it's bad. She it's couldn't so stop bad. laughing. <laughs> That's the takeaway for this episode. This episode fucking sucks. Looks terrible. Oh, let's go into that haunted castle. Let's go inside of it. We found it. We should go in it. Um, well, that's where the life sign readings are coming from. We've been talking a lot about how many people Kirk's been losing each week, and he already got another dead crewman on his hands. So he's yep. having a rough go. <laughs> he has. Uh, that cat totally tricked him. That was a prank you'd see on Jackass for sure. The, the prank the cat pulled on him. Um, Marjan asked if this was a dumb network decision to do a Halloween episode, and it was October 27th, 1967. Um, what accent is this bald dude supposed to be doing? That's a very good question. And what was he going for? What are his out? What's his outfit? Yeah, what is because he? Because he's like, he's like a made up idea of a Chinaman, like a Fu Manchu. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, to give him some mean eyebrows or something. But he's also, I think they've got him corked up a little bit, like he's supposed to be Middle Eastern or something. Like he's half a genie, <laughs> yeah. or like a vizier, and half uh, a uh, crazy Chinese scientist. I, it, I guess we should ask what Kirk's racial memory is doing right now. It's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, Some sinister stuff up there. Although presumably it comes from Jackson, Sulu, and Scotty, right? I guess they were the first ones out there, yeah. Um, and we all know Sulu's a swashbuckler at heart, so maybe that's where this 18th century nonsense is coming from. Again, writing these in real time, it feels like the cat is going to end up being the real boss wizard here. Uh, Kirk seems shocked that this guy knows his name. Was he not listening when the witches were chanting his name a couple of scenes ago? Yeah. The witches just kept saying Captain Kirk over and over again. Uh, let's see. This guy insists they sit and eat like he's Stingy Sam. Oh, yeah. He's got it all set. <laughs> yep. Uh, you suppose Scotty and Sulu went for the jewels and that's why they became controlled zombie men? <laughs> I love the idea that Scotty's like, Jewels? Well, a few gems. I'll take, the, I'll take your gems. A few gems wouldn't go amiss. <laughs> uh, then I ask if Kirk is going to fuck a cat. I also have his weird pronunciation of telekinesis. Telekinesis. Uh, to an Earth man. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I wrote it down. It's telekinesis. 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 To an Earthman like yourself, I think is how Spock refers to him. Um, Show me more of this Earth thing called fucking. She can be many women, as many as three women. That's right. She shows off all of her options. Uh, I actually kind of like Shat's performance in this terrible episode, Um, but I couldn't give it characterization points for it. They put that little kitty in a little tunnel to make it seem big. Yep. 
I noticed that. Yeah, this was not Lord of the Rings level of <laughs> no. size work here. Pretty obvious stunt Sulu. Uh, great fight music this week. They turned into weird little Muppet aliens. Um, maybe snap a photo of this new alien life form to send back to Starfleet. No? Okay. No, well, just let it melt. That's cool. All right, well, next week's iMud, so. When Starfleet gets the report, are they going to be like, what the fuck? Is this because it's Halloween? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> oh, is Kirk doing a Halloween Halloween goof? log entry. That's great. Kirk's goofing on Halloween? Well, this is the last time I check these. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> All right. I have entered the scores into Landru. It seems like it wasn't a good week. This is my, was... my memory of this. Uh, it was not a good week. The average score this week is only 23.8, which is in the bottom 10%. Oh it's quite bad. The um, Let's count them down. Coming in at number five. Number five. We have Enterprise with Precious Cargo. Nothing scored higher than a two in any of the That's categories. amazing, by the way, because in Cat's Paw, the first three scores I entered are zero, <laughs> and the next one's a one. I know. On the front so, half, it really beefed The it. front half, that episode scored one, and it still did not... Uh, it's, and it was still better than Precious Cargo, which came in with 12 total points. I mean, we mentioned it. This was a below-average characterization episode for TOS, but they're always saved by their joyful camaraderie. Yeah, basically. <clears throat> uh, but Cat's Paw is number four with uh, 13 points this week for, for TOS. That's, uh, it's quite bad, and it continues a slide. I mean, uh, Doomsday Machine was, was pretty good, but... Yeah. Uh, they definitely TOS lost a lot has of been ground. losing points against the next generation for for a while now. Yeah, and uh, we'll recap it. But this week they slid below the next generation in terms of total points. Yeah. Uh, DS Nine is yeah. third this week. That episode sucked too, but just it wasn't on the same scale. Right, with uh, twenty five points, which is about six points below the average for an episode these days. the The overall average is thirty one point three right now, but that is after this week. And it was below average in every category. Yeah, below average across the board. Um, worst performing in execution because it was kind of a disaster. <laughs> it wasn't a good episode. Yeah. Uh, number two this week was Next Generation, which. Uh, had a slightly below average episode. Yeah. But below average for sure for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it scored 30 points, which is just below the overall average. Holy shit. Uh, wait, and the free and clear winner this week. This is wild. Uh, with 39 points, which isn't even that bad no, to win a week. We've had many worse winners. Uh, is Voyager with Deadlock. Holy shit. And. Uh, although I gave it a 21, which makes it a top 10 episode, top 10% episode for me, mm. that's only three above what you gave Honestly, it. we were very much in line this week. We were pretty much in line uh, across the board, I think. Three was the most that we were different. The furthest we were apart, yeah, was the three on Deadlock. Uh, you were two higher than me on Precious Cargo. Um, we were the same on Contagion. Yeah. Uh. 39 points, Voyager's second win. That's crazy. I, I was very surprised, even though I watched all these garbage episodes. I knew which so, one I picked to win, but I'm still surprised. In terms of wins, okay. TOS has 16. Mm-hmm. The Next Generation has 12. DS9 has 4, and Voyager and Enterprise are bringing up the rear with 2 each. Okay. 
uh, in terms of points, the next generation is 10 points ahead of the original series. Uh, at this point, at 10 points is... Uh, Very small. Small. It's yeah. 0.28 points an episode. So not uh, not so much on average, but a 10-point lead. They picked up 17 on TOS, TOS this week. Yeah. Uh, TOS is number two, DS9 is number three. Pretty clearly number three now, and Enterprise is losing so many points every week. Enterprise has now dropped to uh, 35 points down on Voyager. That's almost a point a week, so... Uh, There was a time when uh, I was playing Enterprise's actual theme, and Voyager was getting make-me-ups. But that time... That time is fast! uh, has passed yeah. so voyager is ascending they won this week with uh 39 points so what do we got next week i named a couple of them so this week was lousy yeah it was like, fucking terrible. this was a lousy week this is the worst week we had since uh 27 which was the alternative factor where silence has least necessary evil resistance on carbon creek no one let that sound bad uh however here's what's coming up next week I mud. Entertaining, but who knows how it will score? Yeah, yeah, and so we've met old uh, Harcourt Fenton Mud before. Mm-hmm. He was trafficking women, and this week he has made sex androids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the Royale. That is definitely not a good episode. I can't imagine that's going to score. It's hard. It's hard to like. What could it be about? I know. <laughs> how do I get out of this hotel? Oh, yeah. Um, it's got the guy from um. Good, it's about good intentions going bad, maybe? Yeah. Um, Which guy from Perfect Strangers? One of their mean bosses. Oh, okay. As the hotel yeah. manager? Yes. That guy. You know that guy. Uh, DS9, Profit and Loss. Don't remember, but Profit's in it, so... Sounds Ferengi-ish. Oh, yeah. Or... Or unless right. profit is a pun. I mean, it's spelled with an F. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think that probably is a Ferengi thing. Uh, Voyager, we have Innocence. See how they can follow up on this week's win. Mm-hmm. And uh, for Enterprise, we have something called the Catwalk. I bet it's about a Catwalk! It's probably about a Catwalk. <laughs> something happens up on that Catwalk, I bet. <clears throat> Alright, well, now you know what episodes to watch if you're, if you're dumb. If you're dumb like Ben and you play along, you know, to watch. We are going to be closing out the books on the Led Zeppelin bracket next week. Yeah, next week is a non-Star Trek mailbag, Zep, etc. episode. Um, send us mail. We got some in there, but send more. Uh, that you can send them to at BrotherDate. You can check out Dangle website, uh, BrotherDate.com. You can iTunes us. And um, we'll try not to take too many weeks off because we can't drag out this project. That's the honestly. That's the worst <laughs> it's, thought. It's not is good. that every week we take off is just stretches this project out another week. What was frustrating future. was that we were both had all these finished in time for last Monday, and, and I just, just couldn't, couldn't get, get the schedule to time. work. Yeah. And uh, so it's like these happened so long ago. But at least I'm not on the clock yet. I'm not on the clock to watch more. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Another week. Another week to not watch Star Trek's maybe. Yeah. I mean, you could watch them early, but it's difficult to talk about them. It really is too far out. Uh, when you started to when I started, you started to do the DS9 description. I literally had forgotten what the episode was. 
Yeah, and the trouble with that one was I didn't want to do beat by beat. Yeah. Like, I have I have notes. I know exactly what happened in that episode in what order. But because I broke from that, I sent them back to the Gamma Quadrant too early. Because I was like, uh, I'll skip over some of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I was just like, I had literally forgotten even what the episode was. And then you started the description out. Oh, yeah, it was the Dax one. Oh, yeah, Dax. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. It was fun. Um, you know, sort of. Cat's Paw wasn't. Peace out. Bye-bye. He doesn't have a heart attack when Jake reveals that he's been statutorily raped. <laughs> Please subscribe.